0: All right, welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.06. We're following up on the Unpacking Faith episode with the
1: second part of faith, Maturing Spiritually. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick and I am the director for Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios and I'm a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. And we have another guest star in the series joining us this time around. As I've mentioned
0: before, for each of the Unpacking podcast episodes, we're gonna try to bring in at least one person who took the actual four week study with us so that we can have them give their insights and add to you the listener's understanding of the topic. And so for this week, we have Ian Gray. I've known Ian for years. I love his stories, background, where he's come from and where he's headed. Uh, Ian and I are very similar in our approach to God and the Bible and our perspectives, but we have different enough perspectives in certain areas as well that can really sharpen us and and encourage each other. Mm -hmm. And so Ian, definitely, sincerely, welcome to the podcast. Well, since you told me to say this, thank you for having me. There we go. Um, Can you tell us real quick one thing that you've liked about the unpacking approach? Sure. So uh,
2: when you asked me to do this, I tried to put together some thoughts. And uh, I actually first began the unpacking sessions because I loved Know Thyself and really felt impacted by what that study revealed about me and who God wanted me to be. So I was excited to learn more and grow as a Christian. I don't really read much, and often I find myself only being able to focus on material that's systematic and more like a textbook than a novel, Mm -hmm. and that's why unpacking is just that for me. It's a linear approach to topics that typically you may not consider or delve into otherwise.
0: Yeah, we like to do our flowcharts. Oh, big time,
2: big time, whiteboards and flowcharts. I've truly been blown away at what we end up revealing in the core of the discussions, which has made my view on what I'm reading in the Bible and hearing during messages much more robust. Overall, the unpacking approach has allowed me to mature and grow greatly as both a Christian and as a man. Hey, imagine that. We're talking about maturity, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, that's a good
0: segue. Um, So quick recap into where we've been so far, kind of heading up to to this episode. In this season, you know, we're doing the unpacking approach. And so in episode 00, we explained what the unpacking approach was all about, really trying to look, excuse me, comprehensively. And as details we can on any given topic and then in episodes one and two because we're unpacking scripture in episodes one and two of this season we explained the why and how uh, we should study scripture and then in episodes three and four we started with the concepts and the first one we did was hope in heaven mm-hmm. which is where hope is most fully actualized and then in the most recent episode in, in uh, number five we discussed faith what it is and how it works and what it accomplishes, et cetera. Yeah. So because that was the last episode, Zach, why don't you give us a quick recap of what we
1: learned in the faith study? Sure. So basically what we decided with faith is uh, with the main definition that we came to is that faith is belief plus, plus trust. And so we talked a lot about what that actually means and uh, spent a good amount of time discussing um, how belief is more of that intellectual side of things Mm -hmm. and trust is more of that action and actually what you're doing with your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And both of those really come together in order to have faith. And we talked about how in order to uh, get faith, there's different things that contribute to it. So like uh, studying scripture, different things like that can allow you to really grow deeper in your faith. And then it really just allows you to have um, just one of those three main parts of Christianity, so faith, hope, and love. And so hope really leads into faith, Mm -hmm. and then faith leads directly into what we're about to talk about with maturity because we could almost just call this faith part two uh, because maturity really is just the next step of what it looks like to have a growing faith and a faith that really goes to that next level. Yeah, and and the mature person loves well, and the next episode
0: is on love Mm -hmm. as we just kind of continue down that that train of thought. And so one thing for you listeners, as you're reading Scripture, and it mentions faith faith belief and trust are kind of used interchangeably there so when you see the bible talking about faith it could be talking about the belief the intellectual kind of Acknowledgement yeah. of who Jesus is. It could be talking about trust, which is the act of reliance upon Him, which we're going to elaborate more on today. Could be talking about both. So you just you, you want to kind of know the context as you as you get into all that. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about faith part two. Let's talk about more of that act of trust and and the reliance upon Him and, and how it plays out. And so this one, um, we are going to give a, a video game reference in this unpacking, and I'm I'm a gamer, a PS4 guy. Um, <clears throat> so. I really enjoyed this study. This was when we actually one of the first ones we did, yeah, um, yeah I mean, uh, a couple of years ago. And so there was a, it was just it was just some cool visuals, and it was also some aha like convicting like. And this was part of my journey, which I gave back in season one, as far as my testimony after I walked away from the faith and, the, and then came back, and then I was reading the scriptures again and realizing, man, there's another whole layer. It's not about just just believing in Jesus it's about actually maturing or become this complete version. Yeah. And so I picked up on that concept, so then when we did a study, it all just got verified, and I, or I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, also, side note, the, I've got some sort of cough going on here, so I'm gonna be uh, coughing and, and, and making noises, I'm trying to keep that to a minimum as we go through this. Evidently,
2: you're allergic to me, Shannon. Yeah, maybe that's what it is, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, all right, so with that, we're gonna dive in. And as always, with the unpacking study, you know, and I'll keep repeating, and, and we talked about this last episode, I'm, I'm big on repeating because the more we repeat, the more it starts to stick in people's heads, these yeah. different phrases and terminologies and concepts, et cetera. So with the unpacking approach, we, we, we're we trying to answer four questions. Um, what is the definition of this concept? Biblically, what, what exactly is this thing? Mm-hmm. Second, what are its nuances? How does it work? What does it look like under the hood? How do we acquire it, et cetera? All, all like the details of it all. Third question is, what are the benefits to this? Why, why should I be motivated to actually pay more attention to this concept uh, and, and act on it? And then question four is the application. How, how would I act on it right, yeah. if I'm motivated? So with that in mind, we'll get right in, into the first question. So So biblically, what exactly is spiritual maturity? And so what we did is, as we went through the study uh, a couple years ago, we we first started with all the different words and phrases, phra- uh, phrasings. Mm-hmm. And so to give you guys a heads up, these were the phrases that I looked up. I looked up to grow. Uh, so grow, grows, grew, growth, etc. 118 times total mentioned, 89 in the Old Testament and 29 in the New. I also looked up finish because as we went through the study, this idea of reaching maturity is you're finishing the journey, you're reaching where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So I looked up that phrasing, which is 119 times. Ninety-four Old Testament, twenty-five New. Um, complete is another is a core component to what maturity is as being the complete version of you. That's mentioned eighty-two times, uh, fifty-six in the Old Testament and twenty-six in the New. And then ma- the maturity itself. So what happened was the maturity itself mature, matures, matured, etc. Only is mentioned eight times in the NASB. Hmm. One in the Old and, and seven in the New. So if we were going to do a, a, a study on Christian maturity, we looked up eight verses. We weren't getting there. Right, yeah. it wasn't going to take very long. and so. But as we looked at the Greek and Hebrew, which we're going to go over here in a minute, um, it, we saw that it meant complete or to finish a, a journey or finish a task or to be perfected. I knew to look up all these other verses. So I also looked up the perfect passage, the passages, and those are mentioned 62 times, 21 in the old and, and 38 in the new. I also looked up whole because the idea that you're becoming the whole version of you. And that's used a bunch of times, but mostly it's used as like um, an entire quantity of something hmm. in a more like tangible, physical sense. So like the whole area or whole region, mm-hmm. that sort of thing? Yeah, or he took the whole cart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so so we, did, we ended up not including it in the study. Um, we did find, as far as the usage or the idea of, of spiritual maturity in the Old Testament, or just maturity in general, in the Old Testament primarily... It refers to the completing of a task or project. That could be whether God completed a task or man did, usually man. And so this is more of that external do that we've talked about in past lenses. And so it was a major emphasis on man following through on his assignments and tasks. As we got into the New Testament, it shifts a little bit, and it's primarily becoming a complete person. So this goes more into the internal, in EIE and Mm -hmm. the B, and the B-do-have concept. And so there is some focus on finishing a task. But there's a other focus on um the becoming a complete person and also some focus on purification and cleanliness so a little side note here purification and cleanliness led us to the sanctification and holiness concept which i realize it needs to be its own unpacking so we're going to unpack holiness and sanctification in another one there's some overlap to this and we'll see that kind of as we go through it all and shannon with those
2: did you uh did you think <clears throat> that you recognize that because in the old testament it was more of a, a works-based system And now in the New Testament, it's more spirit led. Do you think that kind of played into why it was completing a task or a project in the old and much more internal in the new?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Because I I hold the progressive revelation. I I feel like we we might have mentioned this once or twice, but progressive revelation is the idea of kind of God meets us where we're at. Mm -hmm. And so in the Old Testament, when he was revealing certain things, um, he maybe revealed it in limited fashion. And then later, as the New Testament came in, he elaborates. Like Jesus, for example, in Matthew says, "You know, Moses permitted you guys to have a divorce because of your weakness, but now I tell you this, etc." Yeah. So I really do, hold, and so it, it does actually affect a lot of my theology and a lot of these unpackings. Sure. So yeah, so to me, progressive revelation shows up there. That Old Testament, the maturing meant more of like a completing a task, where as we move the New Testament, we start to understand it's more of an internal completing who you are right right makes right, sense right, right. That. so so that was um the the wordings that we looked up as far as the specific um vo- vocabulary we're going to kind of rapid fire the three of us through this um these are not all the words but these were some of the main ones on the hebrew and the greek uh, and so we're going to tell you what, what the words were and then what they mean and so as you're listening to this to, to the episode here Listen and start trying to see if you can pick up like, some of the patterns and some of the themes that, that are coming from this. Yeah. So I'll just start. The, um, one, one of the Hebrew words is—and oh, by the way, we qualify this. We don't know how to pronounce these. You <laughs> know, we're trying ab- absolutely best we can, not. Yeah. Um, But the word uh, on in the Hebrew is used a lot, and it means ability or power. And <clears throat> gadal twist large to increase, advance, magnify, or
2: bring up great. Kind of like a reverse corkscrew going up in the air and getting bigger.
0: And then just real quick on that, when we, when we first went through the study, that would create this visual. You're twisting large. Right? I mean, you yep. can even, of course, again, we always use our hands <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the podcast. We don't need to, but I can't not <laughs> use my hands. Um, but you're twisting large, and
1: it's like a growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then also just yesef, uh, which means to grow, add to, or augment. Saga means to grow or enlarge. Oxano, grow, wax, increase.
0: And, and now we're moving into the Greek, by the way. Those yeah. first four yeah. were, were four of the key Hebrew words. Here's some of the Greek
1: uh which is complete, complete fully, or finish. Indunamu. I know I pronounced that wrong. Uh, empower or
0: enable, or to make strong. Petileo, to fulfill
1: further or completely, accomplish, finish. And then uh, these next two Greek words are related. So it's ketazario. That's not right. uh, (laughs) Keteris. Ketartizo. So I know that there's some,
0: like, my buddy Kevin Richards, some other
1: Greek people, that are rolling in their grave right now. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, And so the first one of those means to complete thoroughly. So repair, adjust, perfect, or prepare. And then the second word that was related to it is thorough equipment, um, which is also the idea of just perfection. And then uh, holokoros means to complete in every part,
0: whole, entire, perfectly sound. Uh, planazo
1: to make more increase abundantly abound Pleres, which is replete uh, or covered over so complete and full or polero, which is to make replete which is furnish finish or level up and then there was five
0: other words that are all kind of the same family uh, of, of teleos, teleo. I'm not even going to try to read all those, but the different ones. One means the, to complete as in labor, growth, mental or moral character. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. To perfect or be finished. Another one, the now the state of completeness mentally or morally or perfection. Uh, another verb, to complete or accomplish, a, a consummate character or consecrated or perfect. Another one, to be a bearer of completion or to ripen. And then the other one, ended or completed, uh, a debt discharged or paid or accomplished. This is the John 19.30 when he says, it is finished. Hmm. He actually says, teleo, um, so the debt has been paid, which we kind of referenced in, in the faith one. Yeah. Um, so even, even looking at those, you can see where in the Hebrew, it's a lot of grow. And the idea could be grow physically, could be grow internally, right? And then in the, um, the Greek, it's a bunch of complete. So I hope that you guys are seeing as, as we went through these words, we're already starting to see this picture form that, that to, to mature means to grow and become complete. Mm-hmm and we're going to keep elaborating on that so so with all the studies once we go through the hebrew and greek then we look up the dictionary so we use merriam-webster and farlex dictionaries and so we're going to read some of the some of those phrases some of these key concepts and and what the dictionary says and again just be listening and letting a picture form here so to grow means to become better or improved in some way to become more developed mature etc and increase is to make greater augment to add something to
1: something in order to improve or complete it. And then uh, just improve is to make better of higher quality, enhance, maximize to full potential, or uh, to raise to a more desirable or more excellent quality or condition. Complete means
0: having all necessary parts, components, or elements, not lacking anything. Thorough is marked by full detail. Replete is fully or abundantly provided or filled. Finish is to stop doing something because it's completed mature having attained a final or desired state of
2: or relating to a condition of fully full development progress fully
1: and then the idea of developing and that's to cause to unfold gradually uh, to create or produce especially by deliberate effort over time to cause something to grow or become bigger or more advanced beyond the elementary or introductory Consummate means extremely skilled and accomplished of the
0: highest degree. That's one of my favorites right there. Yeah. And uh, perfect, one, having no
2: mistakes or flaws, being entirely without fault or defect. Number two, lacking in no essential detail, satisfying all requirements, having all the qualities you
0: want in that kind of person, situation, etc. And so, the, you know, the passage where it says, be perfect as the Lord is perfect. One of the things for me, the way I understand that is it's to be become perfect over time in baby step, two step forward, one step fashion as the Lord already is. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and, and I noticed with your definition there, I do think, it's my opinion, but I think that the, in the New Testament, when it talks about how perfect can mean, means two things. One, it means like without flaw or blemish or error, mm-hmm. uh, and then also it means it's lacking in no essential detail. It's satisfying all the requirements. Yeah. I think that the New Testament tends to emphasize more of the second part even than the first part. Right. Another thing that, that I want to I want to make a note on, obviously, we just rapid-fired a bunch of definitions, and so if you're listening, you're like, well, hold on, how am I supposed to pay attention to or acknowledge all that? The, you may stop and pause and listen pause and listen you know you may you may do all that um, this goes back to the, I really like the way Sarah said this in, in the heaven episode mm-hmm. that we're we we're trying to reach everybody and so if you're more detail-oriented and you like to receive all of these different details and everything yeah then we want to include them in the podcast so that you have it you're equipped with all the details and you can form your conclusions for others they don't they maybe get a little overwhelmed by the details or they get caught up in all these kind of rapid fire definitions what we would say is don't try to sit there and process through everything we're saying mm-hmm. you can kind of just just listen for the parts that's resonating f- with you and and let those kind of sink in so I just, I just want to clarify that again
2: sure and that's something that we always tell people when it's their first Time going through these unpackings.
0: Yeah, I always tell the the newcomer, "All right, get a helmet. <laughs> yeah. it's, gonna, it's a lot. This is gonna be quick. Yeah, you know." so 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 we went through um the that we you know we decided on the phrases we went through the hebrew and the greek we looked at the the, the the definitions up then we ended up going through um all the scripture uh on maturity and, and all those phrases you know, we, we looked up all the passages on them and so just we're, we're, we can't time-wise read all of them but to give you guys some idea and we're not even going to list out all the verses that we looked up mm-hmm. but some of the ones that we looked up that talk about the importance of pursuing maturity in the christian walk uh, Leviticus 22, 21, Deuteronomy 32, 4, 1 Samuel 2, 21, Matthew 5, 13 to 14 and, 40,
1: and verse 48, Luke 1, verse 80, and then Luke 2, 40. And then also Romans 12, 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 14, 20, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 6 through 11, as well as 13, 9 through 11, and then Ephesians 4, 11 through 24. And then we have uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 17,
2: one of my personal favorites. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 through 10, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, uh, Hebrews 5, 12 uh, through 6, 2, and then First uh, John 4, 12 through 19. And I, I had another note here, Go for Shannon. It. Um, all of these are wrapped up in love. Mm-hmm. So I know you're going to do the love one next, next week. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about this for years. Yeah. every time we've looked at this it always
0: goes back to the love yeah so apparently love's really
2: important yeah evidently it's something about yeah you know god and loving
0: yeah so what i want to do is i'm gonna there was five passages that had jumped out at me and i'm gonna i'm gonna narrate these five passages and kind of walk you the listener through this and then uh zach and ian you guys can contribute as i speak all right so the first one is romans 5 6-8 to 8, and the following verses after that. So this is the one where he's talking about. Um, rarely will somebody die for a good man, or for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might dare to die. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right. So that passage had always confused me a little bit, and. Because for me, it said, rare, rarely will somebody die for a good man, or for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might dare to die. So what he's saying is, it's more likely that you're going to die for a good person than you are a righteous person. That had always confused me, because, and righteous or just, it's the same 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 word, um, depending on the translation. But to me, a righteous or a just person was, like, better than a good person. Cause or it, good sounded like it. it sounded like it. It sounded like it, right? So I didn't understand it. Well, when I went ahead and did the research, found out, okay, no, it was let's get back to the Greek, it's accounting terms. And so a just or righteous person in this context means somebody with a zero balance in their ledger, where a good would mean positive balance in their ledger. or another. And so, and so like sinner would be negative in their ledger. So an, an analogy with this is imagine like a village and there's like a, um, a bully that's mm-hmm. running around, causes a bunch of trouble. Then it's kind of like this neutral person that doesn't do really any good or bad. And then there's a the person who's actually doing good and contributing to the well-being of the village. The just or righteous person is that neutral one in, in, in that context. So what it's saying is is r- rarely will, will somebody die for the neutral person, which makes sense. Yeah. Though for the good person that's actually helping the village, someone might dare to die. But no one's going to die for the bully. Well, what Paul was so blown away by was the, that God actually died for all of us when we were bullies, when we were you know causing harm and sinning, and et cetera. That, that's not even the point of all this. But but with that, you see three groupings. So you see the sinner, you see the kind of the righteous, or and we know that you know righteousness comes by faith. These are believers, but believers that aren't really doing a whole lot of good or bad. Uh, and then you see the good ones, those that are actually contributing more with all that. And so, so that I thought that was really interesting when I understood that. Then when I started looking at, at other passages, that same three groupings kept coming up. So the second passage is the 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. And this is the one where it says, like, you know, you lay on the foundation that is Christ, uh, and then you build on it with uh, wood, hay, straw, gold, silver, or costly stones. And it says the fire of judgment will, will uh, destroy. Judge those works and we'll see if they pass through or not. And so the idea is, like, for example, if I take something made of wood, hay, or straw, and I put it through a fire, is it going to survive? No. No. If I put something of the gold, silver, or costly stones, then it can survive. Mm-hmm. So what you have in that passage is you have group group A, or the first group, this is the center group, those that have not built on the foundation that is, that is Jesus Christ. Then you have those, the second group, the middle group, these are the, the immature believers. These are the ones that have built on the foundation, but they've built with wood, hay, straw. So what they've done isn't going to really show up later. And then you have the third group, the more mature believers, that um, build with this gold, silver, and costly stones. So they have the foundation. And it says for that middle group that even if the wood, hay, straw is destroyed, they themselves still escape the flames into heaven with nothing to show for it. Where that third group, the mature believer, is going to have more to show for it.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting when you start thinking through what that looks like at a practical level uh, as we go through just life today. Um, because a lot of times people may appear to be Christians and they might be trying to do the right things. Mm -hmm. But then when like trials come or hard times come, that fire, so to speak, you can really begin to see that, oh, no, they really weren't probably doing the things that they were supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, Or if they had a foundation of Jesus or not. Yeah. yeah, And but one, if someone has that gold and the other things and they're actually a true believer that's maturing and all that, they get stronger out of fire and purified through fire. And so right. you can really actually see that in a practical way going through life. Right. And so so the third passage that highlights this is the Matthew
0: 13, 3 to 23. This is the parable of the seeds. And so there were four seeds. There was the seed that never took root. That's that first group, the one that, that they don't have the foundation of Jesus. They're sinners. They never became you know followers of Christ. And then there's the parable, then, then there's the seeds that took root and then died. We are just going to lay that one aside because that's, <laughs> that's the controversial one. We talk about this a little bit. and there's different theories on this, what that means. So we, we, it doesn't even come into this discussion, so we'll just leave it there. Then the third seed are those that take root and they do stay alive, but they're choked by the concerns of, of life, that is that middle group. That is those immature believers um, that they truly, the, the, the seed has life. They truly do have life in Jesus because they believe Jesus is Lord, but they're choked and they're not maturing. And then the fourth seed is the fruitful seed, which is that last group. It's the mature believers that have taken the life, the eternal life that God offers with the Holy Spirit, and then they've, they've acted on it. Um, You also see this again in Matthew 25. This is the parable of the talents. This one's a little trickier that you would think there's just two groups, um, but when you actually read through it, you can see that there's three. So this is where he said there there was the five-talent guy that earned five more and the two-talent guy earned two more, and then the one-talent guy that just buried his, right? So the one-talent guy that just buried his, that represents the sinner, the the person who was never saved, because they took the eternal life that God offered and they buried it and they had nothing to do with it. That's why he says, you know, throw that that worthless servant out, right? And in, in the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So me basically through most of my twenties. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, I think well me too, right in our yeah. story. Right. So so that is so a lot of people think that the one talent person is a believer and because they buried their talent they, they, they lose their salvation, that they get tossed out. That's not what that passage is saying um, because every, God has given everybody talents. We learn this and know they self. Right, right. Uh, and so this, this the, the one talent person is not a believer, it's a non-believer because he buried it and had nothing to do with it. So then you have the two talent and the five talent, both of them took their talents, invested them and earned two more and five more. Both of these are examples of the third group, of the mature believing group, that, that they took it and ran with it and did something with it and produced something. They grew, they, they, they kind of completed the task given to them. So in that, um, in that parable itself, the, the one talent, it represents the, the kind of the center group, and the, and the two and five talent represent the mature group. So in this parable, there's nobody representing the middle group, which are the believers that aren't doing a lot. But what's fascinating is if you read the passage carefully, he tells the one talent person, you should have at least what? At least held on to it, I believe. Well, it put it somewhere. Do you remember? Put it in the bank. Oh, put it in the bank, trying yeah. to earn interest. Interest. Right. So this becomes another great visual. So I'm hoping that you guys are beginning to picture this, that there's kind of three groupings. There's non-believers who reject God and what he's offering and do nothing with him. Then there's immature believers that take what God has offered, but they kind of put it in the bank and and it just earns a little bit of 1% interest and it just grows a little bit. And then there's the mature believers that take their talents. And, and and run with it and do something more with it and invest it and that's the mature. So so we, we could we don't of course have a whiteboard here on the podcast that wouldn't make it, wouldn't make a difference. But if we drew the, if we drew each of these passages out, you could see that so for example in the Romans five, the good person is the same as the gold, silver, costly stones person in 1 Corinthians three is same as the the flourishing seed person in Matthew 13, the same as the, the ones who invested their talents in, in Matthew 25, right? Right. Then we also see one more passage, which is Revelation 21, verses 21 to 27, where it references the unclean, and these are the non-believers, the non-justified that will not enter heaven. Then it references the clean, which are the believers, those just, righteous, kind of zero balance or couple, you know, cents, pennies, interest, balanced person, um, that shall live with God forever, so they're still in, right? First Corinthians 3 would say this. Then you have, there's a little reference there. It says the kings of the earth shall pass in and out between the gates, or shall pass through the gates. Now, Revelation is a whole can of worms, and <laughs> we can't go into all that. But I will say is is that I believe that um, we take it more literal, unless it's showing that it's a, it's a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Figurative. Figurative, figure, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, anyways, and so, and so in that, what I believe is is there will be literal kings because that's what the text says. And I realize some people don't, don't agree with that, but I do. And so the question is, who are those kings? Well, a more deterministic thing would be whoever God decides. What I believe is it's those who've made a lot of their life for Christ, who've been obedient, who've matured. Because they've matured in this life, they're now ready to be the kings in authority. And the parable of the talents would say that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now that I've put you in charge of a few things, come, um, come be in charge of many and enjoy your father's happiness. So so re- the, this revelation 21 passage also shows the three groups, the non-believers, the immature believers and the mature believers. Thoughts for you guys on that. Well, I
2: was actually just going to say, you know, one of the, when you first proposed that concept to me and my wife, believe me, we had to chew on that for a while mm-hmm. because it's just it's so far out there compared to what you're taught in churches. Right, right. Um or however you want to call it, I <laughs> call it churches. Yeah. Um, so it took me and and Erica a while before we could actually accept what you were giving, and you actually mentioned it two to three times before I actually bought in, because mm-hmm. I was like, "Nah, that sounds almost uh, almost blasphemous," you know. And I was like, "I don't, I don't know if I want to go on this. I just hopped on the the Jesus bandwagon. I don't mm-hmm. want to get kicked off this fast." Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm glad that <laughs> I can uh, laugh about it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we can <laughs> laugh. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad that we finally listened. And it, it, it really is. It's for any of the listeners that just heard everything you said. Believe me, pause it, replay it,
1: play it again, because it's going to take a couple of times before you just buy into that. Mm-hmm. And just that whole idea of maturity. I think that it really helps you understand what those passages are actually talking about. Uh, Because I know with like Mm -hmm. the Matthew 25 passage, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't agree that the first part, the, the first uh, person described in that passage is an unbeliever. If you're trying to like assign different groups and you don't have this understanding that talking about unbelievers and believers and maturing believers, it really makes these passages a lot more complicated to try and think through. And so this really just adds a practical application of Bible study. Like when you're reading through scripture, noticing that scripture does seem to talk about uh, just like You're an almost, I'm not sure how I want to word this, but like entry-level believer, but then Mm -hmm. actually the believer that's maturing Mm -hmm. uh, and actually working intentionally to grow. And so it's really important that we actually do move into that second group.
0: And that goes back to that Proverbs passage, you know, glory of God to conceal a matter to the glory of kings to reveal a matter. It's a chance for us to kind of dig a little deeper. So if you take Matthew 25 at the surface, you're like, well, but he was a servant. You know that was given the one Mm town so if he's a servant it must be a servant of god so he's a believer and and i totally see how someone can take that yeah but by going through like you said it it took you to hear it several times also multiple verses kept referencing this and eventually you get persuaded um and you realize oh okay but given because you always want to let the bible interpret itself and so given this other, this concept that has already been emerging in the other passages, it would actually make better sense if this is what the the, the, the that servant is just a term for any human mm-hmm. and and because he buried it he wasn't a believer, right?
1: Yeah, and just the parallels between those five passages are really interesting when you actually go through and compare and if you guys are looking for a Bible study to work on um that would be a really interesting one, I think, is yeah. going through and looking at what does Romans 5, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, Matthew 13, 3 through 23, uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and Revelation 21, 21 through 27. Like, what what are those actual similarities? And I mm-hmm. think that might be interesting to go through.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as far as Ian's point about have to be persuaded, that happens a lot in rekindling. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. I, I went on the same journey. Right. So like when I first came across the concept, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's right.
1: Yeah. But then
0: like when I saw those five passages those five passages were very telling for me. And I'm like, wow, all five had the same pattern. There really must be something to this. And the text begin to make more sense. And know, that's like also that. what happens when when you're
2: doing these unpackings mm-hmm. and whatnot. You've taught me so well now to not just read the Bible, you know, front to back and not pay attention. You, you mm. say, look for the cadences and the nuances. Yeah. Try to find these passages that actually prove each other. And I never thought, nobody ever taught me to do that, you know, until I came to know thyself and unpackings and that kind of stuff. And then I was like, now I, that's what I look for in the Bible. Right. I look for, wait, didn't I read that somewhere else? Does, doesn't this happen again somewhere? Mm-hmm. And when you start reading the Bible with that approach, it blows your mind. It quickly... Enhances and makes you a
0: mature Christian. Yeah, I flipped out, you know, in a good way when I first started kind of coming across all this stuff. Um, and so this this actually will help explain why I believe the Seven States Journey. So that was the first lens that we introduced back in episode season one, episode one point zero one, I think. Um, and so we so you, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode where we give the whole rundown of the Seven States Journey. But remember how we talk about there's all the island stuff and won't go through all the stages now. But in the water, there's the, you're the boat riding stage, the water walking stage and the wind walking stage. And so for me, the boat riding stage is when you and this goes back to the faith episode last week, that you're you're sincerely acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. that He is the divine master. He's the king of kings. He's the king of heaven. And you acknowledge that you get into his boat. And once you're in his boat, you're going home. As long as you stay in that boat, right? Or as long as you stop. Well, this goes back to different beliefs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so, so so that's the boat riding stage. Then you have the water walking stage, which is so once you get in the boat, don't stay in the boat. And so in the boat, you're, you're joining Jesus and you're believing in him sincerely. Now you need to mature. And so you need to get out. And so in the boat, it's learning all the basics and the principles yeah. of the faith. Then when you get on the water, it's getting to all the details, all the training areas, which we're going to go more to here in a moment. Um, and, and it's really beginning to transform into this mature, complete version of you. You're completing mm-hmm. that. You're you're, fi- you're you're moving toward the complete version mm-hmm. of you. And, and so then the wind walking is now that you're doing that is where know they self comes in and you find your specific niche or niche in life and then you start serving in that because, you know, and, and you can maybe technically s- – find your calling and serve it without Jesus or maturing sure but if you have your foundation in Jesus and you're maturing by applying the details about to the details of your life you can imagine what your calling is gonna look like imagine the kind of carpenter you're gonna be imagine the mm-hmm. kind of preacher you're gonna be imagine the kind of mom you're gonna be imagine the kind of president you're gonna be you know etc with all that so anyways so I at least wanted to reference that that seven stage journey plays in here strongly I have something here just so you know I pulled my notes from years ago again
2: you were talking about the uh, the water walking and then w- wind walking, mm-hmm. and I have a note that says, you know, that's that's where we talk about being the salt and the light, right? And also, when you do get to the wind walking, which I try to get there, but it doesn't always seem like I I got my parasail on yet. <laughs> but uh, I do have noted here, you know, soar on wings like eagles, which I is actually which is uh, Erica's, one of her favorite verses of all time. But that's the first time you taught me this. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I thought of immediately. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and we really would, or I mean, I think all of us would, but just me personally, I really want to encourage you guys to go back and listen to episode 1.01. If just this whole idea of maturing is something that, you're interested in starting um, because it just really helps to go through and see the whole progression of the seven steps that we lay out Mm -hmm. um, and just see that whole thing. And then when we start talking about the boat riding and water walking and all of that, we really get to go into a lot of it even there. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a little bit different content than what we're going over right here. Mm -hmm. So we really would encourage you guys to go and spend time and listen to that one. And I
0: think Seven Stage Journey was one of the first things you saw, right? When when we were over it. Yeah, that was one of the first things when I
1: met you. Yeah. Um, all right, so all of that,
0: talking about the wording and the original, the Hebrew and the Greek, and the definitions and, and all these like concepts coming up, what we concluded, so we we came up with a a definition of what maturity is, and and Ian had did the study and he has his and I have mine, and so we're going to read them off to you. So so all this jibber jabbering that we've been doing it comes down to this this first section. So so, Chan, stop talking. Summarize here. What is the definition of Christian maturity or spiritual maturity or maturing in your faith um, or that trust part, right? How would you say all that? So I'll I'll read mine, and then, Ian, you can read yours. Sounds good. So this is where the the video game reference comes in. Um, So Christian growth or maturity is the further advancement or leveling up into our individual full potential, which comes through deliberate, gradual progress over time as we augment, enable, and tweak our spiritual nature thoroughly in every necessary detail— by applying the details of scripture to the details of our lives as we walk in step with the spirit until we reach complete excellent perfectly sound christ-like character according to our design so that we most full that we may most fully love god and others which will be rewarded in heaven now of course that's a long definition but i love it and i I have my bullet pointed which makes all sense (laughs) and so a shorter version of that is christian maturity is the gradual process, and I love the gradual part, is the gradual process of deliberately walking in step with the Spirit to enhance every necessary detail of our spiritual nature until we become the complete version of who Christ designed us to be. So that's mine. So, Ian, uh, what what, did, or
1: so. Ahead. Go ahead, Zach, for a Sorry, if I could just make a quick note on that. Two parts that really stuck out to me in your definition that I just want to talk briefly about and then I want to hear Ian's definition, but uh, just Christian maturity being a gradual process. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we expect instantaneous change, and we expect it from others, and we expect it from ourselves as we go through, uh, but even as we talk about in Seven Steps to Change, which is also uh, a lens in season one change doesn't happen gradually and we need to not beat ourselves up over the fact that it's not going to happen happen or it doesn't happen instantaneously there we go um it does happen gradually and it is a process and it's a process that the second word that i really liked was deliberately yeah it it has to be intentional you're not going to accidentally spiritually mature you're not going (laughs) to accidentally get better at walking in the spirit none of that is going to happen naturally or on its own. It's something that has to happen as you're intentionally and deliberately and gradually learning the details of the Bible, applying those to your life, and actually allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to change you, and so then you can have that change really happen. Right. So hear this. Physically, your body automatically matures. Yeah. Right. It
0: it, it just happens kind of subconsciously on its own. So I I wonder if a lot of Christians just assume that over time, just as their body matures, mm-hmm. their spirituality will mature, and they don't really have to do a whole lot other than some maintenance. Yeah. And we want to reject that, that that if you don't intentionally do these things, you won't mature, and you actually, you could be a Christian for 50 years and still be an immature Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ian, what's your definition? Well, I was uh,
2: actually going to touch on that real quick, too, is, um, you know, anybody that would think that, it, they would have to understand that that's a very foolish line of thinking. Because how exactly do we get good at anything? How do we get good at sports? How do we get good mm-hmm. at um, school? I, you know, we we actually intentionally work out. We actually intentionally hone our skills. The Christian f- walk is just
0: the same, right? Absolutely the same. I had to intentionally work to be this funny. <laughs> I mean, this this and, doesn't come naturally. I mean, you know, raw, sure, <laughs> but I had to refine it. That I'm this hysterical. You are. You're, you're very, <laughs> they're they're looking at me <laughs> in the
1: studio like, uh,
0: what do I say to that? <laughs> I,
2: I, I don't know exactly how to answer them. I'm sitting <laughs> I'm sitting a little too close to them to <laughs> not, <laughs> not just at least smile and, and, nod. <laughs> and not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyway, um, so my definition. One of the things that I always do when we when we do these unpackings is I take away, and you tell us to all the time mm-hmm. as well, I take away different words or phrases that I like from the Greek, the Hebrew. And the Merriam-Webster. Mm-hmm. And then I try to incorporate those in my definition right. because it kind of helps me, one, uh, gain a better diction because, you know, I'm, I'm learning what these new words are. Yeah. But also it helps me remember what I had written down. So this, this yeah. one's mine. Maturity is a personal and spiritual development causing increase and improvement in character in an effort to become more like Christ by allowing God to make us replete and consummate. With the fruits of the spirit ending in the utmost perfection that man can attain.
0: Yeah, and, and you see where it's it's saying very similar things with different nuances and different wording, right? Right.
2: Yeah. So I I don't know, that that
0: one always hit me. And I think when I
2: mentioned it in the class, you were like, can you please say that again? Because yeah, that's go a ahead. lot of words. Yeah, say it again. Oh, you okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we'll cool. do it. All right. right, mature— We can do that, right? It's we, our podcast. I yeah. We, yeah, I guess well, it's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Maturity is a personal and spiritual development causing increase and improvement in character in an effort to become more like Christ by allowing God to make us replete and consummate with the fruits of the spirit ending in the utmost perfection that man can attain. So in a nutshell, it's to me, I know that that's not going to happen until the day I die. You know, I'm always going to be moving towards that. But it's just like what Paul talks about when he says, not that I have yet attained but I keep looking striving ahead right to the utmost call, you know,
0: so same concept. So let me put you guys on the spot. We didn't have this in the, in the outline of the preparation. I'll do that from time to time just to, to see how you'll respond. So you made the fray. you made the comment to become more like Christ. Correct. Right. I mean, Christ likeness we have this all the time. I made the, the statement um, to become, uh, where am I here? To become the, the complete version uh, uh, oh, oh, here. the uh, the Yeah, until we reach the complete, excellent, perfectly sound, Christ-like character according to our design. Or I, I've said the phrase before that you're becoming the complete version of you as God intended. So if I ask you, let's say someone's listening, like, well, wait a minute. Am I supposed to become more like Christ or am I supposed to become the complete version of me? What's the answer?
1: I'll let you nail that one first. I think that really... Uh, It's a trick question, which you like to do from time to time. I do, I do. Um, Because really those two things are the same. Yes. Uh, Because the complete version of you is what Christ wants you to look like. And you're going, oh, it's what, yes, it's what Christ wants you to look like, but it's also looking like Christ. Um, Because just as we go through life, what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be um, modeling. So going, Going off what it looks like to actually look like Christ. So that's going through and really what we've been talking about, applying the details of the Bible to the details of our life. So going through and actually applying 1 Corinthians 13 to our relationships with other people, Mm -hmm. actually being patient, assuming the best, not keeping records of wrong, that sort of thing. And so that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be um, becoming the complete version of us. So we're actually doing those different things to their fullest version. But then on the flip side of that, Christ was the complete version of all of those things. Right. Um, and so Christ did perfectly exhibit love. And so as we become like Christ, we're becoming the complete version of ourselves. So it's really just more, more or less one and the same. It's the same thing. Yeah, and so th- this is why I bring it
0: up. I- I've never heard anybody say this, but I wonder if Christians sometimes almost subconsciously hear this, that if we're all supposed to become like Christ, in the end we all look the same. Hm. Yeah. And again, I've never heard any like, preacher or teacher actually say that, but it's almost implied if we use the language that we're all supposed to become like Christ, and Christ was X, yeah. then we're all supposed to become X. And so in heaven, it's a bunch of X's running around, right? And again, I, don't, I, I think maybe subconsciously people have just thought that or assumed that. And so th- this is why I wanted to clarify, because of Know They Self, because of, of my take on things, yeah. I believe that God is a God of diversity, and he loves mm-hmm. diversity. And so this is why it's not about us becoming Jesus— it's us emulating Jesus in the way that we're designed according to our personality, our strengths, you know, et
1: cetera. And so I just, I just wanted to kind of to throw that out there and put voice to it. And it's interesting because really the discussion here is the difference between uh, be and do. And so a lot of times mm. the idea that you just described that a lot of Christians, you feel like, um, think that what it's supposed to look like is we're supposed to do the things that Christ does. And so we're supposed to really, if we follow that to the most literal extent, we're supposed to be a first century Jew <laughs> that walks around the Middle East and sandals and uh, does all the different things. He doesn't drive a car. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. If we actually take this to the most literal extent, like we're supposed to yeah. do those things. Right. But that's not actually the point. The point is we're supposed to be like Christ. And that's the whole character development. And, and I can, attitudes are priorities. Yeah. yeah. And so I can be like Christ and I can be a college student, and that looks different from being like Christ and running a nonprofit. But we can still both be like Christ. And so I think that that's a really important distinction to draw out um, because we're not going to look the same at the end of the day. We mm-hmm. might look similar in a lot in different areas, but there's still that whole idea of diversity, which Paul even talks about. The body needs to have all of the different parts of the body. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Right. It's great. Yeah, so
0: I wanted to throw that out there, right? Because I think I want to encourage people, don't think I'm supposed to be this kind of quiet, demure, hippie, picture of jesus that may be how you end up playing out fantastic run with it but there's there's different there's different approaches there's this goes back to knowing stuff again but i want to encourage you that when spiritual maturity christ is the perfect version of of what a a loving godly human looks like and so you want to emulate him you want to think like he thinks and you want to have the same priorities he has but but the way that you carry it out with your preferences and personality is going to vary from person to person and that's fantastic Although I, I do believe that he does kind of want us to be all hippies. <laughs> <laughs> loving. Ju- more loving.
2: More yeah. loving, just a little bit more chilled out, going with the flow a little <laughs> yeah, bit more. Yeah. You know, and honestly, you know, I'm joking about that, but really... It, it, there's if we, something to it. it. There is. There's got to be something to it. So I, I'm going to go get myself a
0: pair of sandals after this. Yeah, and, yeah I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so all that, that's the first section. That, that, that answers the first question of what is spiritual maturity. So now we can move to the second section, which is how does this work? Like, how does it actually play out? How does one, practically speaking, become spiritually mature? So we're going to walk you through all that stuff now. Um,
1: So the first thing is, uh, and I'm I'm pulling up my notes here. Um, I think the first thing here is actually that you really begin, you need to begin to master scripture. And so as we go through, um, we've talked about this a lot, and I mean, we spent two episodes probably three hours total, talking about what it looks like to actually dive into Scripture. And that's really where this whole process begins, because if you're not learning what Scripture actually teaches, and you're not applying the details of the Bible to the details of your life, then you're not going to be able to become that complete version or be like Jesus. And so some verses that talk about that is 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17, which talks about giving you wisdom so you can be rendered wise. Uh, the Word of God is inspired, so it's divinely breathed. Breathe. it's profitable, it's advantageous. Teaching, it gives you that instruction. Rebuking, uh, it refutes wrong doctrine. Correcting, straightens you up, trains you in righteousness. And so then you can actually be complete and equipped for every good work, which good work is beneficial toil. And so then it actually can allow you to mature. Also, Matthew 7, 24 through 28 says that uh, hearing and acting on scripture prevents just really that detrimental crashing that can happen, like we were talking about with, um. Uh, if you are if you just have wood hand strouble, mm-hmm. strouble, stubble instead of uh, the gold and precious stones. I like that phrase.
0: I'm looking at the notes here. It prevents a, a mega crashing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, the, in the storms of life.
1: I don't remember where that came from, but I like it. Yeah, and then also, just lastly, James 1, 17 through 25 talks about how God gave us his word and so that we can be the fru- first fruits among the rest of the world. And uh, anger and wickedness doesn't help with that. And so, what we need to do is we need to intentionally study the Word of God, act on it, and then we can actually be blessed. And like we've talked about, even just this process of studying Scripture is going to take your whole life, right. let alone maturing fully.
0: So, as you're beginning to master Scripture, then you can begin to master prayer. So, we did you guys go through the prayer study? yeah so we're, we're doing a second or second round version of that right we kind of updated it, upgraded or whatever um, but as, I, I'm a big believer in you need to begin to master scripture first so that you can begin to master prayer because then you're picking up on God's accents in scripture and you can, you can hear him in prayer and so um, that we're going to do a whole unpacking on prayer a few episodes from now and so we'll go more into this but the, I, if you look at Psalms and Job it really emphasizes that prayer first and foremost is just that communing with God just experiencing mm-hmm. his presence that can lead to a two way conversation so where we kind of treat prayer as a one-way conversation to god as we ask for things or praise him it's really a two-way conversation and actually that's only part of it There's more to it there's there's that communion experiencing and so colossians 1 and ephesians 3 talk about how such prayer can bring you clarity and insight and john 14 and romans 12 um, talk about how prayer will actually align your will with his mm-hmm. a whole lot more to be said on this but we'll do that in the, in the prayer unpacking um, but just know for this prayer will go a long way
1: in helping you mature yeah, and then once we begin to master Scripture and we begin to master prayer, we can really effectively uh, walk in step with the Spirit. I like the way you've worded this before. You get to learn the accent of the Spirit when He's talking mm-hmm. in your ear. Uh, and so Galatians five sixteen through 26 talks about this. And... Uh, just moving on. And so then we have less of the flesh and more of the s- fruit of the spirit in our lives. And we actually talk about this back uh, in the seven stage journey episode, just this whole idea of when you're water walking, what you're actually doing is you're walking in step with the spirit who's just underneath the surface of the water. So mm-hmm. you can't see him, but if you're actually walking in the right spots, then you're not going to fall Because you're in. stepping on his hands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so if you want to hear more about that, shameless plug yet again for <laughs> episode 1.01. Uh, and so th- it takes time and you really need to learn to see the unseen, which Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 talks about. And it honestly just becomes this divine gut check, which is different than uh, just like our natural ones. That's a key po- point, yeah. Yeah, because this, it moves past just what you think the right and the wrong thing might be to actually learning what the right or wrong thing is in the moment because the Holy Spirit is the one guiding you. And so you really need to just make this a cycle and go back and begin to master the Bible even more.
0: So as we're going through this, like, you know, so first
1: begin to master scripture,
0: study. It's why we do these podcasts, while we do our study groups, et cetera. Begin to understand what scripture is teaching and then begin to develop your prayer life so you can be listening to God and be encouraged to experience him and then begin to walk in step with the spirit is what you're saying is that. And so, Galatians 5.16 that you referenced, it says if you walk in step with the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. I believe it's one of the most powerful promises in the Bible. Uh, And because later on in the the chapter, he says, so now that we have life in the Spirit, let us be led by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's another reference to um, an immature believer and mature believer, those two groupings. Now that we have life in the Spirit, that's the very sincere, though immature. When I say immature, I don't mean it as a knock. I just mean someone who hasn't matured yet, right? Um, That you have life in the Spirit, you're going home when you die. Mm Um, but now let us be led by the spirit, um, and do that dance with, you know, that let him be the dance instructor. And if we do that, apparently anytime in the moment when we're doing that, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Crazy promise. Yeah. And so then that segues into uh, a fourth thing as you're walking in step of the spirit. Now you want to begin diligently adding to your faith. This is from second Peter chapter one. It's another great passage. Uh, Emily Woody, for those of you who know her, always references uh, this passage and teaches it really well. Mm-hmm. So it talks about you need to have grace and peace multiplied, that gratifying favor and, and internal prosperity increased, and you're going to get that divine power, that godly force or ability that's like dynamite. We just did an unpacking on on power and strength that we're gonna we'll do a podcast in uh, down the road. Uh, and so if if we have those that grace and that peace and that divine power, it's going to give us everything required for life and godliness, and it's it's freely given. Uh, for a full life and, and godly devotion and, and so there's these very great and precious promises now it's, it's costly there's a mega self-committal to this um, it requires forgiveness but you get eternal life you also get forgiveness there's, there's tons with all that as you begin doing this, as you as you as you're maturing in Scripture and in prayer and walking step with the Spirit, you're sharing in that divine nature. Uh, your companions in this godlike growth, and so you'll begin to escape corruption based on evil desires. You're escaping the de- decay that comes from fleshly longings. So, so Paul, so given all this, Paul says, so given all that, make every effort to supplement or add to your faith, that, which again is that eager, earnest or eagerly, earnestly adding to your conviction, the belief, the first part of of faith, Mm -hmm. adding to that with goodness. and, And by the way, we're gonna do unpackings on each of these things I'm about to mention. Um, But uh, add to to your faith goodness, this this valorous moral excellence and and benefit. Add to that knowledge, which is an intimate knowing. Add to that self-control, that temperance, that moderation. Add to that endurance, that cheerful, patient constancy, remaining under bad as it's happening but getting stronger through it. Add to that godliness, that piety and godly devotion. Add to that brotherly affection, the fraternal fondness. Add to that love, which is the passionate treasuring of all as you're humbly obedient to God and committed to others patiently forgiving wrongdoers, that useful, constant, toiling contribution to the well-being of others. And, it's, and he says, Peter says, if you're doing all these things, kind of like the Galatians 5.16 promise, he says these will keep you from being useless or unfruitful. It'll render you not inactive or barren. It'll confirm your calling and election. It'll make every effort to stabilize your role as his child and servant. And then it says in verse 10, and you will never stumble so you know again, this is a complicated promise. <laughs> yeah. But if you're doing all of these things, you'll never stumble, you'll never trip, you'll never fail, you'll never sin. And you'll be richly supplied entry into the eternal kingdom. This copious amount of furnishing. I believe that, that everybody is gladly welcomed into the kingdom that believes in Jesus. Mm-hmm. But those that believe in Jesus and are maturing in their faith, there's another whole level right to all of that. And side note on that the mature believer who who, who goes into heaven doesn't look with any kind of pride or arrogance yeah. on the immature yeah. believer who kind of squeezed in. And neither does the immature believer look with any kind of jealousy on the mature believer. In heaven, there's no sin, as we talked about in the heaven study. And so everybody's in a great place. Everyone's going to be happy. And there won't be any comparison, any jealousy. That those immature believers that kind of squeak by, when they get in, they're going to be perfectly happy in heaven. and But they're going to look at the mature believers and like, well, yeah, of mm. course they get the greater authority. Because look what they did in this. Life. I, didn't, I didn't do that, you know. Um, and, and 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 then the mature believers will be, will be humble, you know, in, in their approach to all. So I at least wanted to, to reference that quickly. Um, and so and so um, Paul said, or Peter says, let's always be reminding each other this. This on, there's, there's an ongoing intent to quietly remind ourselves of this whole point that we should mature. Yeah. So with that, so so you're, you're maturing in Scripture, you're maturing in prayer, you're walking in step with the Spirit, you're diligently adding to your faith. Some other practical things, and Ian, I want, I want you to speak up here, too. Some other practical things would be some of these lenses that we teach and, and some of the other other um, components to, to rekindling and, and other concepts as well that will help you with this. So so one example is the tortoise and hare from Aesop's Fables, that, and we've mentioned this already a couple times this, in this episode— I'm more – because I'm a hare rabbit, not a tortoise as far as my personality. Boom, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, If you didn't know, I talk fast, (laughs) Um, especially when I'm excited. And and so I was going a mile a minute. I was that achievement-driven, all that stuff. And, and Stephen field really as a coach and a good friend of mine really went a long way in helping me reboot <laughs> and rethink all that and apparently I, I need to live as the tortoise um, and because in the long run if I just do the you know and I think about, I think about the Disney cartoon he's just this kind of oh well, you mentioned like with the hippie kind of laid back easy going this is easy going turtle is kind of moving along but he was steady he never stopped but he just quite slowly, step by step moved along and he ended up completing more of the race. And that really hits me. So that that's an analogy I would like to bring into this, um, with this maturity thing of be the tortoise as you mature, not the hare.
2: Yeah, actually it's it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I recently did see a, a video on Facebook and it really happened. They they actually raced a tortoise and a hare. Did they really? Yeah, yeah, you gotta check it out. It's probably <laughs> on YouTube too. Okay. But anyway, the whole point is the tortoise actually won. The the hare kept jumping around in circles and wouldn't go to the end. That's so funny. So, the tortoise actually did win. That's pretty funny. So, um, yeah, really, to to look at it that way, it was a big smack in my face, too, uh, when I first got saved, was, okay, slow down, change some things, and also even Erica and I, uh, when we've talked about certain things, I'm like, well, five years from now, Mm -hmm. we'll get somewhere. Right. You know, we'll be where we want to be. And immediately, that that hurts your heart a little bit because you're like, five years? I don't want to wait five years. Now, uh, we've been here for five years, and guess what? Things are finally really, really starting to accelerate.
0: So are you saying patience is required for the mature believer?
2: Patience is an absolute requirement. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's. I know that you've had your bouts with patience, and I know I still yeah. do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, <so> com- <laughs> compassion and pa- patience are my two big ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you definitely you have to really, really just trust in the Lord and be very patient with him because he's got a lot of, of uh,
0: shells he's got to move mm-hmm. to get you to where you have to be. Man, and this makes me think real quick of the hope study when we said, remember that the passage that really meant a lot to me as far as hope deferred makes you sick, but a hope fulfilled is like this abundant tree of life. Yeah. And knowing that, so as you're maturing and you're not going to get there right now, you're going to get there later, then there's a bit of waiting and it will make you a little sick because you're, you're not there yet. But I really do believe that's kind of the whole point of the prologue that we're in, this beta version um, of of just slowly working our way there. And especially too, we are in such a um,
2: in a society that is everything is driven by now, uh, yeah. especially the millennial culture, but even my my oh, yeah, generation, all, I mean, all of them, you know. Yeah. But because everything, you know, text messages and, and emails are coming at you so fast. I mean, I actually remember what a rotary phone looks like, and I'm only mm-hmm. thirty three years old. So there's been a huge Difference. And, remember, please allow six to eight weeks for delivery. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> insane. If I can't if I can't have it next day, air, There's something wrong, right? Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, because we live in this Western culture that is a very now 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 culture, um,
0: people don't recognize that you have to slow down as a Christian. Yeah. And allow God to be God. So what would be one of the other? Um, Things you, you say, a, a concept or whatever that would help a, a believer in the maturity process. Oh, okay. So definitely I've
2: hit on uh, uh, sweet and sour. I loved when you talked about this because I totally can relate. Sweet and sour being sometimes there's sweets in life. Things just go well, they taste good, and they, they are well. But there's sometimes the more important and even the, the more rewarding one is what you would call a sour, mm-hmm. which is, I don't really want to deal with this, but I know overall it's going to bring me a greater reward. So... When when you look at sweets and sours, I actually tend to go, Mm, this is going to kind of hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it, ultimately, it's going to help so still much more. good, yeah. And it's still good. So I think of it like uh, those old candies, like the lemon drops, yep, yep. where they're kind of sweet, but they're, they do have that little bitter taste, and you kind of go, ooh. Yep. But at the end, you really, really enjoyed that candy. Yeah. So... That's that's kind of where the sweet and sour is
0: at. Yeah, so, so our definition there, and this was season one, episode, I think, 1.02, 1.03, somewhere there. But you can look up the sweet and sour. A sweet is a beneficial good that will make you smile, and a sour is a beneficial good that will make you wince. Uh, and so it's, it's very, very helpful. Zach, what would you offer uh, as far as an, another thing that can help somebody in, in maturing spiritually?
1: Yeah, I think that a, as you spiritually mature, you really need to have a perspective that allows you to recognize that, all the little things that normally really freak us out and get us really upset aren't as big of a deal as we like to make it. And so this is just the lens of eternal, internal, external, and how we need to be more focused on uh, that eternal thing. And so really just going back a couple episodes to Hope in Heaven, really focusing on those two things will help with that. Um, Because I think we described it uh, instead of bumping up and down with all of the individual things that happen in life, so you're happy one Mountains day, and, and, and valleys, then, and yeah, yeah, and so you're happy, and then someone cuts you off, so you're just devastated, and then uh, you go through and you get a call from uh, your mom, and so you're happy, and then you find out that, so, I mean, it just you can fill in the blank with whatever you need, yeah. Uh, but instead of that, if we have this perspective of this world's not my home, will this matter uh, fifty years from now? This, this thing that's freaking me out right now, probably not. We right. can actually begin to have a much yeah. longer focus, and that'll help us in the immediate here and now.
0: And so we have that also, <clears throat> excuse me, man, it's in season one, the eternal internal external You can check that lens out. Um, another thing that can help is the, a solution-focused counseling or forward-focused counseling. Uh, Ian's wife, Eric and I have talked about this before. She does a lot of uh, counseling stuff. The, the solution-focused counseling, you don't fixate on the problem you don't ignore it either, um, but you don't you don't hyper focus on the problem. You look for what does right look like. Collar, uh a counselor wrote a book on this, which was, was life changing for me, but you, you say, Okay, so here's the problem and I do want to at least address it and how do I feel about this? But what does right look like? What is and then what and what's the solution? How do I get there? Um, and so if you take a solution focused approach to your problems, that's also gonna help with your maturity. So then another thing that can help you, and I know, Ian, this is probably one of your favorite lenses, (laughs) uh, which is Spectrum. Tell us a little bit about Spectrum. Okay, so Spectrum is
2: probably my ultimate favorite because I'm a numbers guy. And you and I always laugh about these because we totally get it. But so Spectrum, in a nutshell, is, you know, there's always the, the hyper one way to a situation and a hyper other way. So there's a, a very hyper good or a and a hyper bad. But typically, we don't fall all the way to that one side or the other. Right. There's a, And you put it on a scale, so on a horizontal scale, some people fall closer to the 20% range where they're 20% bad, 80% good. Um, in other cases, you'll just have, so for, for you and I, for example, uh, when I was a younger Christian, I didn't understand certain things because I was still a younger Christian. But mm-hmm. you were teaching me, and you actually, you were already on like that Christian maturity seventy percent scale. I was more on the thirty percent. I would now self-identify as more like a
0: fifty percenter. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there, <laughs> but I'm not quite you yet. Right? Well, I would say seventy <laughs> percent. i nowhere near but yeah. But, and that reminds me of, so remember that we give the example of the alcohol, right? So yep. with spectrum, we, we, we want to actually try to avoid the extremes. Usually the, the middle moderate is usually where the answer is at. Not always because we don't want to make absolute statements. Um, but if like on, a, on the alcohol, uh, uh, someone who's at a point zero, w- which is the far extreme, left, liberal, unrestricted approach, would say you should be drunk 24-7. Where somebody at a 100 would say if you even think of the word B, which is the first two letters of beer – you're doomed to the lowest levels of hell forever, right? And so biblically, it would seem somewhere between 50 and 77 would be the answer, you know, where, where 50 is you can drink moderately, 70 is you can choose not to drink, right? Um, and so what spectrum, so what what would you say spectrum does for you? Oh, for me, it just,
2: it helps me kind of uh, not only lot myself a little bit of, of understanding and compassion towards myself, but it also mm, allows yeah. me to look at others and almost like when what you talk about, you know, put your yourself in somebody's shoes. Right. So I, if I know somebody is that hyper liberal person, now it just helps me go, hmm, I need to drag them to the light a little bit. But understanding
0: that they're coming from that
2: that standpoint.
0: So are you saying that a mature person probably needs to understand people?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's most likely the biggest thing that you 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 really need to do as a benefiting person to society, right. <laughs> you know, you really, really do have to really look into people and how they are before you ever, ever even not place judgment,
0: but even try to operate with them. Yeah. I say it with a smile because I really do
1: believe we should be more understanding. And it shows you that a, that a person who's maturing, it requires a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's a whole tangent here that we could go on and that would be how does a mature person actually disagree well? with another individual, which is something that I know both you and I, Shannon, are really passionate about. And at some point, we'll have that discussion, uh, but not here. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But but it is, it is a part. We just want to reference it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just another lens from the first season that really helps you as you think through just some of this different stuff is just the idea of be, do, have, which we actually already alluded to once. Um, But just once we start realizing that we don't need to be comparing the things that we do with the things that other people do, uh, the things we have with the things that other people have, Mm -hmm. and we can actually focus on just that character development, just being the person that we need to be, it actually will give us the ability to have an even higher level of maturity because we're not focused on what others do or have or what we do or have. And so it actually gives us another step In the maturing process because it's just like no that's okay that you have uh, a nicer car than i do you have this you're you have this influence you're doing this you're doing that i'm still becoming more like christ and you're still becoming more like christ and so the mature person looks past the other uh really just peripheral things into the core of i'm being a follower Mm -hmm. of christ and you're being a follower of christ and that's what actually matters
0: so another thing that can help, so remember in the faith episode, I mentioned um, my buddy Yong Lee and that graph that I wanted to show you in a George Mueller story. And I said, you know what, we'll just wait. We won't do it in the faith. We'll do it here. We'll hear, here I'm going to do it. So I think I've showed this before to Ian. So I'm going to draw this picture out, which I know doesn't help the podcast listener, <laughs> but I'm going to narrate as I draw it out. So, so if you have uh, a pen and paper, draw uh, an X and Y axis or that L, right? And then on the, that, that quadrant, draw an arc, and so it starts at like point zero zero, and then it stretches up and out to the right. And so it almost looks like a hill, just like gradual incline yeah, that flattens out at the top. So, so, uh, so this this goes to Young Lee, it's buddy of mine. I told him I'd always give him credit for this. Um, it was a graph that he and he's this brilliant engineer guy and a strong Christian, uh, and he had showed this to me talking about how you trust, and this 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 gets into how you trust, how you can become mature. So on that, so on the arc, the arc is the level of accomplishment. Of something so if you're down near that point zero zero at the bottom of the hill, so to speak, th- in that situation, a little bit is accomplished. Where if you're up towards the top of the hill, so further out on the x and y, that's where a lot is accomplished. This is a trick question, I'll tell you ahead of time. What is the correct, what is the best spot on the line according to God um, that you accomplish a little bit or you accomplish a lot or somewhere in the middle?
2: Uh, the answer to that would easily be God just wants you to to be on the line somewhere
0: yeah yeah it's where yeah exactly be on the line let him tell you where so if god wants to accomplish a little bit in some situation that's the right answer that's the best answer if he wants to you to accomplish a lot in a situation then that's the right answer that's the best answer just get on that line wherever he tells you to so 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 anywhere on that line could be and this this helps freeze you up. This goes back to be do have. You don't always have to be going all out accomplishing tons. You accomplish whatever God tells you to accomplish. If you got five talents, earn five more. If you got
1: two talents, earn two more. So, so that that's the first arc. And I think just along those lines, uh, we don't have to go into this for very long, but just the idea of seasons in life, uh, a lot of different times you might have, like right now, I'm in a season of my life where I'm just learning a lot. So I'm not really doing that much. Um, so I don't feel necessarily like I'm accomplishing very much, but I'm being prepared for later in life when I am probably going to be doing and accomplishing more. And so just recognizing where you're actually at and being content with that, I think is also part of this process yeah. of maturing. So, so with that, um, it helps you realize you can trust wherever
0: God's telling you on that arc of accomplishment. You're good. The second thing then is, so let's, let's just pick a point right there in the middle, uh, in the you know, middle point of the arc, so halfway up the hill. Um, now we need to figure out, so here's the level of accomplishment that God wants to see achieved. How much of that is going to be him and how much of that is going to be you? So you could draw that uh, uh, a vertical line, you know, straight down to the bottom, and, we, and then we could draw, we can mark it. So, for example, you um, God could say, I'm only going to do the first little bit, and then I'm going to have you do all the rest. Or he may say, we're going to do it 50-50. I'll do half of it, and you do half of it. Or he may say, I'm actually going to do most of it, and I'm going to have you do the last little bit. Which combination is the most correct combination? With God, they're all the right combination. Yeah, same thing. It just depends on what he tells you to do. So if he, if he says, listen, I'm going to do the first little bit, and then I want you to do the rest, that is the best answer. If he says, I'm going to do most of it, I just want you to do a little bit, that's the best answer. If he says 50-50, that's the best answer. So again, you can see any combination right there. And so it helps. So I really like this graph because it says, you can imagine this was a moving graph. And so that the line is moving constantly up and down and the percentages are changing between you and God all the answers are right on that graph as long as you're letting God determine what it is and then you follow through on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and actually one of the things that um, we've found with this concept,
2: I, I totally agree with you. I, I hadn't seen the graph yet. Okay, I got awesome. not if I had showed you or not. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's a very good depiction. Um, one of the things that I think people get frustrated in is initially when you first get saved or you first really start walking with God in your life, it seems as though he does a lot because all he wanted you to do was get up and start walking. Cool. And he did everything else. I know over the past five years, I not that I don't feel him with me, but I feel him giving me more responsibility and saying, okay, I'm going to do just this much, a little bit. I want you to do the rest. I'm trusting you to do the rest. So one of the things we were talking about, patience, but also
0: with maturing, is expecting to be Put in another role, mm-hmm. Ooh, so yeah, yeah, and then down the road, by the way, too. So maybe as you mature more, there might be more accomplishing or more of what he's wanting you to do. But then every once in a while, pride starts to set in, so he'll actually put you on a task where you have to accomplish a little bit, or you're only doing a little portion of it, just to kind of humble you and bring you back down. Oh yeah, he he's he he knocks us back down a little bit sometimes. Yeah, he's got yeah, like, to go wait a second. You, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. So so let me give you an example of this. Um, George Mueller uh i read his his biography it was crazy convicting uh he was a prussian guy that that got saved in his 20s and eventually started these orphanages in england and and the man was just a man of faith and so he lived his life pretty much where he was only doing a little bit which was prayer and then god was doing all the rest so for example he never actually raised money for any of the orphanages because he felt if he was raising money that was him not trusting in god to raise the money for him so like when he would go preach he literally would not take an offering the the, lo- the local church would have to make him take an offering because he wouldn't huh. do it because that was him not trusting in God, um, and and money and things always a- always um, uh, worked out. So in this one specific scenario, and this is this, and this is true. This is not a parable. This has actually happened. Um, he was sitting at his desk one morning there in England at, at the orphanage. It was early in the morning, and whoever was in charge of like all the kitchen and stuff. Came in, and, and because they lived on faith like this, and, and let me say a quick side note too. I almost got discouraged when I read the book because I'm like, holy cow, I don't live to that level of faith. And so, a good buddy of mine, um, Mike Kelsey, was helping me understand that it's. But that was that was what God had for Mueller. For you, it, the combinations may be different. So, like when Young showed me this graph, I helped. I realized anywhere on here is the correct answer, right? Right. Um, but anyways, right. so so. They, they always would get just enough food to get them for the next day or two, right? So anyways, one morning, the lady comes in from the kitchen, and she's like, well, Brother Mueller caught up with us. The shipment never came in, and we don't have any breakfast for the kids, and it was just about breakfast time. And so George Mueller said, all right, well, God will provide. And so he, he says a prayer, and he gets up, and then he's walking over to the, to the mess hall, uh, and his daughter or his granddaughter's niece or somebody was there with him, and he says, honey, come with me. I want to show you how God works. And so they go over to the breakfast hall, and this was in the 1880s. This is when the kids wore the tweed jackets and all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, at the, the the orphanages. And so everyone comes into the mess hall. It's that long table with the chairs, and and they all and this was the ritual: you come in and you stand behind the chair until uh, George Mueller would say the prayer, and then we could sit and eat. And so so all the kids come up, you know, in line. They're behind. They're standing behind their chairs at attention. There, there, they can look and they can see that the plate has no food on it and the glass has no drink in it. But nobody says anything. Uh, and they stand there. And so so George Mueller is standing at the end with his niece, or whoever it was, holding her hand. And he says this prayer. And again, this is a true story. He says, Lord, we thank you for the food and drink that you're about to provide. Amen. Uh, and then he sits down. And so then all the kids start pulling their chairs out. You imagine the, you know, the metal scraping on stone or whatever. And so all this racket. But as they're pulling the chairs out and sitting down, there's this big pounding a knock at the main door to the orphanage area. And they go over there. And they open it, and it's the baker of the local town. I forget which town this was in. And the baker says, Brother Mueller, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to bake, bake bread for you. Don't know why, but I need to do what the Lord tells me so. I've been up for seven hours now, and I've, I've baked a whole bunch of bread for you and the kids. I hope you need it. And he's like, okay. And so they start bringing the bread in. And so then as they're bringing the bread in, there's another knock at the door, and they open it, and it's the milkman. So back then, milk was all fresh every day in sure. those big silver can- pewter canisters. So there's no refrigeration or anything. And, and so they would, they would fill the canisters up, and then the milkman would go to each of his locations each day dropping the milk off. Well— So there's the milkman, and he says, Brother Mueller, my uh, cart broke down right in front of your orphanage here, and the only way I can fix the wheel is to take all these milk um, jugs off of it so I can lift the cart up to put the wheel in. And by the time I get all that done, the milk's going to spoil. So I don't know, coincidence, miracle, whatever, but the milk happens to be here in front of your orphanage. If you guys want, have your bigger boys come grab the jugs, and you guys can bring the milk in. And, he, and so George Mueller was like, okay. Um, and so they bring the milk in. And so the kids had bread and milk for breakfast. And then like later in the day, the next shipment of food came in for you know, the rest of the day. So I'm reading this, and I'm flipping out. I'm like, no freaking way. No freaking way. How does that happen? Like, how does that happen? It was amazing to me. Well, looking at Yong Lee's graph and looking at this story, George Mueller was the guy where he realizes all he has to do is a little bit, literally say like an eight-word prayer. And he's going to trust God to do all the rest. But then with God and the baker, all God did was wake the baker up at night and just whisper to him to go bake bread. And then the baker did all the rest of the work, baking the bread for all those hours. And then the milkman was kind of the 50-50 where, you know, he was carrying the stuff. It happened to break, you know, I think God did it, right, uh, in front of the orphanage. Um, and then he was just uh, obedient and faithful with, with resources and said, you guys can have the milk. And so I love that whole story that it helps explain this. And so how how's all this play in maturity? Understand, please don't put all these specific expectations that as I mature, it must be this. There's a whole combination of, of how this might play out.
1: Yeah, and it's I think it's really important to note that you can't just yourself pick your spot on that spectrum. Right. Uh, you have to actually be obedient to what God's going to do because if, like, let's say the baker decided, you know what, uh, I'm I'm going to trust God that He's going to just make this bread for me. Like, that's just not going to happen. Right. If the milkman didn't put the milk on the cart that day, like it, even though he only had to do half the work, he still had to do his half. And so it's really important that we are doing. And following the amount of work that God wants us to do, even though it can look different depending on the circumstance.
0: Yeah. So so one more thing. Um, I know, Ian, you've also like seven steps to change. Talk about that just real briefly yeah. you know, of how this can help somebody in the maturity process.
2: So seven steps to change is actually one of the bigger ones for the, the, you actually putting in that effort to change. And to mature, mm-hmm. this is exactly what that is. First, you, you, you kind of have to look at, at a situation or, or your life or, and how you're doing and say, I don't like something about me. Like right now, I'm, I still struggle with compassion. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that. There's a discontentment you have that you ha- don't have enough compassion. That I don't have enough compassion for people. You know, I'm a little bit too strict with some stuff because we talked about strict on uh, <laughs> right, right, Saturday. Right, right. Um, and then I have to look at, well, how, how can I change this? Or what, what do I need to do to change it? And really research that. Like, what is a, what does a compassionate person look like? Who do I want to be like?
0: What are the details? What's the information? Exactly.
2: Yeah. Then I actually have to go, okay, the good outweighs the bad. It's more important for me to make this change than it is to not make this change. Once I decide that, then you have to start to apply what you're going to do every day and really look at, how you're applying it is it actually making a difference if it is great most of the time though the first time that we do this we're not going to get it right you know we're going to have to constantly tweak it and then right. finally repeat that function once once we tweak it and we know it's actually working like I'm becoming more compassionate because maybe I'm a little bit more patient with people right oh okay now I got to keep being patient with people so that's exactly what that
0: is so so the seven steps and we were we we're looking up i th- i think it's 1.09 and I think yeah. I, think, I
1: just know it's not labeled on the actual podcast.
0: Like, yeah, I'll go back and look. At so. it. but I think it's one point zero nine, and so it walks you through those seven stages. Mm-hmm. You have to there has to be a discontent. Then you get all the information. It has to resonate with you. Then you make the decision. Then what you say you said I think tweak it. Yeah. The, tweak adjust it. Yeah, you gotta constantly
2: look into what you're doing.
0: And then and then once you get to what works for you, then just keep repeating it until it becomes the new habit. So that, that's a practical application to all this. Yeah. And so, so go back and, li- and look in season one, and you can listen to that, to that episode. So those are all some of the, the how as far as the mechanics. Now let's take a moment, and we're just going to rapid fire this, but we, we want to share with you, the listener, some of the how as far as the what, and, and specifically with Scripture. And so what we have is in, in our notes, we, in a study we did this, we looked at, I don't know, Baker's dozen or so um, key passages of um, what it actually looks like to be mature in the faith. So we don't want to just kind of give this general language that you're supposed to mature. We want to tell you what maturity actually looks like. And so what we're going to do here is is we're just going to rapid fire this uh, and the point, again, a whole bunch of details. And so if you're a detail-oriented person, you might just pause and replay, pause and replay to kind of write this stuff down. Um, or if if you're overwhelmed by that, you just know that there's all these Scripture passages that let the Scripture tell you what maturity looks like. Don't you define maturity on your own? So, for example, we know that maturity, you want to have hope. Um, And so from the hope study, you need to know what God's promises are. You need to accept the reality of them on his timeline, and you need to find refuge in that. And then you have faith.
2: And that's where you let God show his goodness, accept the reality of it, and then lean on him
1: to act accordingly. Right. And then next is just that idea of love that we see in 1 Corinthians 13. uh, Just be patient, be kind. And all of these are verbs and there's no jealousy. There's no bragging or arrogance, no rudeness, no self-seeking, not provoke, not provocable. Uh, you don't keep a record of past wrongdoings. You rejoice in the truth and not on righteousness and assume the best and, uh, just always be- bearing, uh, believing, hoping and enduring. And then love never fails.
0: And Revelation 3.1 talks about the sevenfold spirit, and Isaiah 11.2 describes that sevenfold spirit, that the Holy Spirit will give you knowledge and understanding, wisdom and counsel, will give you strength, will also give you fear of the Lord, which will help in this process. Right, and then you
2: look at uh, some of the fruits of the Spirit. So in Galatians 5, um, you have love and joy and peace and patience, uh, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, temperance, no impurity, no idolatry, no sorcery which I don't think we should really be doing that one too much, but that's, no. that's actually pharmacia. So. Right, so
0: which, was a, there's a drug yes. element to that. Yeah,
2: and then you have you know no drunkenness or carousing, no conceit or selfish ambition, jealousy, envy, no anger, hate, strife,
0: provoking dissensions or factions. Can I give you guys a controversial opinion here for a second? Most Christians, well, nowadays most Christians don't even have the Ten Commandments memorized, but more Christians have the Ten Commandments memorized than the fruit of the Spirit. Where I think the fruit of the Spirit is much more practical, hmm. and, and I wish that we, I wish Christians would memorize and live out <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit more. Um, and so then, Second Peter one, or is that yours?
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Second Peter 1, 2 through 11 just talks about the things that we receive when we have uh, what we experience the faith of God. So that's just uh, faith and diligence and goodness and intimate knowledge and temperance, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love.
0: Now, we had mentioned that passage before. Yeah. That's why I got confused. Yeah. Uh, Philippians 2 talks about we're supposed to emulate Christ which goes back to the comment that we were making earlier. And so you need to find encouragement, comfort, and fellowship in God. You need to find tenderness, compassion, and love. You need to be be in one spirit and purpose, be humble, sacrificially serving the needs of others first, exalting Christ, working out salvation with fear and trembling. That, to me, is part of this maturity process. Uh, do all things, oh, here we go, do all things without complaining or arguing. A mature, uh, a mature a believer will not complain or argue. Uh, and because of this, you can shine like stars in the dark universe, and you can rejoice in that sacrificial serving.
2: Right, and then you go to Colossians 3, 12 through 24, and, and it's talking about, being clothed as God's chosen people. So understanding that you're holy and beloved, you have compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, perfect bond of unity, peace ruling in your heart, which is a big one because mm-hmm. that a- actually will ultimately kind of make you a more calm and compassionate person. Right, yeah. um, thankfulness, wise teaching and admonishing, grateful singing. Uh, and not good it's grateful right <laughs>
0: <laughs> mutual point. Yeah.
1: mutual submission and working for the lord not men And then uh, also Jesus teaches us a lot about what some of the specifics of Christian maturity looks like when he goes through the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3 through 12. And it's interesting that a lot of these are a lot more of that mindset and more of that be Mm -hmm. uh, instead of that do and that sort of thing. So it's just really interesting how he puts the emphasis on uh, who you are and your mindset behind things. And so, be humble in spirit, be willing to mourn, be gentle, hunger and thirst for righteousness, be merciful, be pure, be peacemakers, and rejoice in persecution. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, which is the armor of the Spirit,
0: is another good description about what a mature believer is going to do or look like. They're going to have that um, faith, salvation, and righteousness. They're going to have the truth, the word of God, and prayer. They're going to use peace. They're going to have strength. They're going to focus the struggle on spiritual forces. They're going to stand strong and resist. Yeah, and then you look at how we really will exhibit ourselves as
2: servants of God in 2nd Corinthians 6 1 through 10 So you don't put a stumbling block in anyone's path. You show great endurance in any trial you work hard You have purity understanding patience kindness again sincere love truthful speech power from God being genuine and known Mm -hmm. and then you live on the midst of being beaten rejoicing in sorrow giving out our
1: poverty spiritual abundance over tangible wealth. And then also it's important to know how we're supposed to be interacting with each other as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and so this is out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-24. We need to respect and hold in high regard those who work hard over you and admonish you. Uh, Be at peace with everyone, warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, be kind to everyone, be joyful always, pray continually. Always be thankful, don't quench the Spirit, test everything and hold on to what's good, and then slowly just continue that process of becoming complete. And Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, um, he talks about how mature going can be considered a prisoner for the
0: Lord. And so he says you need to walk worthy of the calling you've received you need, to be, you need to have humility and gentleness and patience a lot of repeat right in all these passages oh, yeah. you need to be accepting i love this one you need to be accepting tolerating forgiving of one another accepting does not mean condoning we've got to recognize the difference between those two things Um, And you need to diligently, and as we said, diligently keep unity and peace. That's what mature believers do. They diligently strive to keep unity and peace. Um, There's understanding that's required. You need to keep renewing your mind. You're going to be pursuing purity instead of corruption. Obviously, honesty and good work uh, is going to be part of the mature believer. Uh, No foul language or shouting or slander, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking. I started to work on that one. Um, no bitterness, anger, wrath, or malice. He says, rid yourself of all those things. You should be kind and compassionate. No greed. You should be wise. No drunkenness. You should be speaking together, making music, giving thanks for everything, submitting to one another, honoring and obeying, not exasperating your children. You need to serve your masters with a good attitude. And this was back, of course, during when slavery was still there in the first century. Um, and so he you, so you would say... Slaves, serve your masters well with a good attitude. Masters, treat your slaves well with a good attitude, right? These are all ways that a mature believer is going to live.
2: Yeah, and then you have the gifts of the Spirit. So in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Exodus 35, and a few others, uh, you look at apostleship and prophecy, teaching, knowledge, <coughs> wisdom, which is one that I truly always aim for, evangelism, exhortation, miracles, and healing faith, serving, mercy, shepherding, giving, leading, administration, tongues and interpretation, distinguishing spirits, intercession, helps, hospitality, missionary,
1: voluntary poverty or celibacy, and craftsmanship. And there's really just so many more things that we could talk about. There's uh, good soldiers and workmen of Jesus in Second Timothy two one through twenty six, being disciples and emulators of Christ, which we've spent a lot of time talking about already. Uh, which is just Matthew five thirteen through seven twenty nine. And then I mean, there's the book of Romans, Titus, James. There's just so many different parts of Scripture that really deal with what it looks like to become a mature believer.
0: I remember after my prodigal son stage, when I first came back to the Lord and was reading scripture again, how much all this started jumping out that holy cow. So there's like this initial boat riding, sincere believing stage. But then there's this whole like water walking, Mm -hmm. maturing so much more to it. All right. And you'll notice this whole list. Do you guys notice as we went through all that? Um, it's that solution-focused or forward-thinking counseling. Yeah. It's all the things that we're supposed to be being and doing. It's all all the things that we're moving toward. Well, I, I, and then there was some reference to the things that you're supposed to be avoiding, right? So this goes to the sin, and I don't want to go through a maturity study without referencing sin. We're going to do—sin is such a huge component to all this. We're going to mm-hmm. do a whole unpacking just on sin, yeah. which is also one of my favorites when we begin to wrap our mind around it. But but what I'll say is is that when it comes to sin, know that there's there's the the commandments that God has given us these good beneficial things that we should strive for. Then there's these prohibitions that He's given us these negative detrimental things that we should avoid. And when when and we'll go through this in the sin study. But when we put we started compiling that whole list, we noticed that it was like two thirds. Yeah commands and one-third prohibitions, that God was so much more focused on the things that we're supposed to be being and doing, hmm. on and not as much on the, the, the prohibitions, which is there, yeah. but it was just really interesting, the two-to-one nature of all that, Um, And so we'll discuss that more, but I also want to reference with that, with muddy fields. So we discussed this in in the Know They Self concept, and this will come back up when we do the the SIN podcast. Mm -hmm. But I I believe that everybody has their muddy fields, which are these core areas that you're always going to struggle with this side of the gate. I think there's certain areas that God will give you victory over. There's certain areas where you just it's not an issue for you. You don't struggle as much, or if at all. Mm -hmm. But I really do believe that we call them type one muddy fields, that everybody has a handful, two or three, Type one muddy fields that this side of the gates, because of their human flesh, they're they're going to constantly struggle. And it doesn't mean, well, fine, I just give up and keep doing that. Yeah. But so go back and, and listen to the muddy fields thing in season two, or wait till the sin study, and we'll go through more. I just wanted to touch on that.
1: Yeah, and that's something that uh, I think we're all just really passionate about is how do you actually uh, battle sin in your life and begin to move forward? And it is that whole idea of um, it. It's just honestly just so cool that God doesn't spend the entirety of the Bible telling us what we can't do. Right, but a lot of times I feel like that's what we emphasize. We're just like we can't do this, can't do that, can't do that, and we make our nice little lists and we follow our nice little lists the best we can. And then we, oh man, I missed one. And so like we go through this really um, cycle that's not beneficial. Which. I've done tangents on before, but it's just really interesting that the focus that God has in the new Testament and the old Testament, but, um, is actually on doing good things instead of avoiding bad things. Right. And so once we begin to have that mindset and allow that mindset to really change us, we can actually see growth happen because like, I I know I personally have tried to stop doing bad and I might be able to maybe, (laughs) uh, for a little bit, it might happen probably not, doesn't normally. It's messy. Um, but when you actually begin to say, no, I'm not going to do this. And instead, I'm going to do this. It's just that whole idea that Paul talks about with in Philippians three, forgetting what's behind and pushing forward to what's ahead. Mm-hmm. And that just really is a theme that we see throughout the entire New Testament.
0: And I know that I know that you and Eric have been on this journey, too. And when I first came on my prodigal son stage, I'm like, wow. So it's less about again, I'm not saying that there are no prohibitions, right? I don't want to right, pull it off. Right. But I'm like that the Bible so is like, go be this and go do this and go have this. And as you're pursuing all those things, you're going to be so busy with that. You're not even going to have time to kind of give into your temptations and do those prohibitions. And I'm like, this is so much better. Like I can, I can buy into this walk. Yeah, I can buy yeah. into this journey, you know?
2: Yeah. I've actually told a lot of people, you know, it, it, I I like to stay busy because it keeps me out of trouble, you know, and and that's literally what God is doing. He's like, no, 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 I got something else for you to do. All you really got to do is pray about it and God will make sure that you kind of stay out of trouble. He doesn't have to tell you not to do things. It's actually better for him to tell you to do things. Mm -hmm. I I think it's more exciting and it gives you something, a a goal. Um, People actually are really, really bad at not doing things, like think about children or anything else. You know, you tell them not to do something, they're apt right. to do it, right, right? But if you give them things to do,
0: like good things and, to and do. good
2: things to do, they're actually better at it. And, and they children and people and everybody else, that's that's what we look towards. We don't want the law. We want the uh, ability to try something new.
0: Yeah, be creative. I mean, think about even like like prison reform when if if they walk the prisoners through like equipping them with a trade. You know, yeah, it gives yeah, them something to be proud of. But there's, there's all these concepts there. The whole idea, we won't go into this now, but but goodness and love and justice all tying together, that a good good is anything beneficial. Love is like, well, a whole bunch of things, but partly wanting to see others benefit, and then justice is the making of things right or beneficial. The Bible is so much about that. That's the thrust of it. And then it says, now because of these, these are the prohibition of the things that can cause detriment. Right. But we like you said, Zach, we really do kind of hyper-focus on that. So now, now, given all that, let's just real quick do this and we'll wrap up this section. What are some hindrances? These are all like different ways that one can become mature and what it actually looks like. What are some things that might hinder your maturity? So imagine there's a listener who's listening to this and they're getting all fired up. Like, yeah, I, I, you know what? I want to do this more. I want to be this mature believer. And so and so they're writing this stuff down. They're going to start applying it. Give them some warnings. Say, now, be careful. These are things that are going to try to pull you away from that. What, what might you guys say to that?
2: Oh, well, I, I would definitely say that uh, w- one of the things is just not being self-aware, okay? Not mm. actually doing part of what I said in that seven steps to change, which is really just getting your detailed info and, and and looking at yourself, self-reflecting. So that's a big one.
1: Yep, We've kind of alluded to this already, but really just the whole idea of sin will stop you from spiritually maturing because it's really interesting how um, I, I've heard it said before – the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. Mm. Uh, and so as you actually begin to apply the details of the Bible to the details of your life, um, and hopefully that doesn't become just a trite little phrase that you guys keep hearing us say, like that actually is something that has just personally impacted me in such a way that like actually beginning to do that is really powerful. So Mm -hmm. hopefully you guys aren't growing tired of hearing that (laughs) because it's going to keep happening. Yeah, we're going to keep saying it. Um, (laughs) but it's, As you actually start figuring out what Scripture says and you start doing those things like we were just talking about, you actually do naturally turn away from um, sin. And so if you're deciding to focus on sin instead of focusing on the good things that the Lord wants us to be pursuing, then you're not going to be able to spiritually mature because you're sticking yourself in the same spot instead of allowing yourself to keep progressing. Yeah.
0: And so, so and, and there's more out there. We, we won't even go all. Just know that this is not an easy process. It requires effort and intentionality. There's a cost to it, you mm-hmm. know, et cetera. I always say with the water walking, it's the most difficult thing you'll ever do. But it's also the most exhilarating thing you'll ever do at the same time. And rewarding. And rewarding. Mm-hmm. So that's the second section. So so we discussed, you know, what is maturity at its core? It's becoming more like Jesus according to the, the complete version of you. How does one do it? We just went through all this stuff. So now we want to persuade people because it's like, because, you know, as you're going through this, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of stuff. Um, I I don't even want to do some of that stuff this is where the third question comes in what's the motivation what's the benefit to actually doing this because we found in these unpacking studies that the stuff is hard and obligation will take you so far Mm -hmm. I'm obligated you know Jesus died for me I'm obligated to do this stuff. But we found that that obligation can only take you so far, Motivation is gonna go even further. And so when we did the study, we found a whole bunch of motivations, a whole bunch of positive reasons and benefits that will occur if you actually begin this slow tortoise approach to maturing in your faith. So so one of those is, um, it's not even a benefit for you, but it's a benefit for God. God smiles, he's pleased. We know that from John 3.16 and 2 Peter 3.9, other passages, God loves everybody. But we also know from 2 Samuel 22 and Job 1 and Job 42, Luke 7, Hebrews 11, we know that God truly gets to delight in, marvel at, and be pleased with those who are maturing in their faith. And and, and that alone moves me. Ooh, God's going to be pleased? And he's going to marvel if I do this? Well, I'm going to do it. And then you, you have the fact that
2: others are just benefited by it. True. So, you know... Uh, they're more loved and and helped more deeply by you as you grow you know and that's in john 13. Um, they also uh, they'll, they'll find joy and be inspired by your growth i know that's a huge one like erica mm-hmm. and i we always get excited when we we call it like you said leveling up right like when right. one of us gets to that next level and a lot of times because we walk so hand in hand we do it at the same time which is even more fun and special mm-hmm. but uh i recently went to jersey and my parents are just elated at how much I've changed. Mm. How much of a difference? How much of a a a great growth there's been. So, um, you know, others will actually really, really marvel and be joyous with you.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then also just. uh others are benefited, like you were just saying, because you're transformed into the more complete version of yourself. So we see this in Romans 12, 2, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, Mark 9, 2 through 3, and just that metamorphosis and just uh, old becoming new and dead becoming alive and just that whole change mm-hmm. that happens. And then also Galatians 5, we keep coming back to this, but if you follow Christ and you're walking in step with the spirit, you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. And like we said earlier, we don't actually speak Greek and that sort of thing. But uh, I've heard uh, different people talk about this that do speak Greek and that you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. That word not is just like a really, really strong emphatic, like, no, absolutely not. In no shape or form. Yeah. In no shape or form in any way. Will you carry out the desires of the flesh if you're walking in step with the spirit? And so just we have that strong declaration, declaration that we can hold on to. And then also, uh, we're just transformed into being more loving. So we recognize and celebrate the worth of others. We sacrificially contribute to their well-being and we can sharpen one another, iron sharpening iron, that whole idea towards maturity. We're more at peace. We have that internal prosperity of heart and mind. We're more joyful. You can just see it on people when they're spiritually maturing. You want to be around those people uh, because they're just enthusiastically content in their own well-being, even if they don't have Uh, like, all of the fancy toys or whatever. Paul talks about that, and that's actually really what that verse that talks about, and that says... I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. That's what that's actually we're talking about is yeah. being content in every circumstance, uh, just being patient, choosing to endure the wrong, and refraining from endorsing what, from enforcing, excuse me, what's due or right in the moment, so that you or another may grow or have a greater good to be accomplished. Um, and that's a whole idea that we're going to discuss in right. another unpacking right. with justice and just that whole thing. And then also, you can just be kinder, more useful to others. You can be gentler. You can do good. You can be more temperate. Um, and also, just be more faithful, re- which really just means being reliant on God and becoming more reliable for Him to lean on, which we talked about a lot in the faith study.
0: Yeah. By the way, the
1: gentleness I found is some kind of like humble
0: mildness, hmm. which goes back to kind of a little more laid back type attitude. Now, And obviously you're going to tell which, are pa- which passages we really like because we keep coming back to these passages again and again and again. So Isaiah 11, 1-4 talks about, you know some well it's talking about Jesus, but as we emulate Jesus we become more mature. You're going to become stronger, have more power, and able to create change. You're going to be more knowledgeable, acquiring more information. You're going to have more understanding, learning what that information means at a deeper level. You're going to get wiser, realizing how to use and apply that information. Wise in the Bible has the idea of being skillful. Um, you're going to have more counsel the, you're going to get guidance from the Holy Spirit on how to adjust and hone that wisdom. You're going to have that proper fear of the Lord, which is that being in awe. It's like 99% um, shaking in excitement, 1% shaking in afraidness, um, with him and really letting that drive you. And you're going to be more just, you're going to make things more right. You're going to leave, you know, vengeance to God.
2: Yeah. And then in second uh, Peter one, three through 11, uh, you're, you're going to gain goodness and moral excellence. You're going to have more knowledge, more temperance. More perseverance, so uh, allowing kind of being in it and allowing mm-hmm. the bad to happen to you. More godliness, so devotion to or reverence of God. More brotherly kindness and love. And you, you won't be useless, unfruitful, or short-sighted. You'll never stumble, which that's a huge one. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you also have entrance into the eternal kingdom abundantly.
1: And then Paul talks a lot in Ephesians about what it really looks like to mature spiritually. And uh, one things that he talks about is once you really begin to mature spiritually and move on from the milk of the word to the meat of the world word, just those tougher issues, uh, more substance, you're no longer children. Uh, and so you're not mm-hmm. going to be tossed about by the waves of doctrine or trickery of men. That's and good. so uh, the That's imagery good. there is just like a boat just being blown around in a storm. Uh, And so we're not going to do that when we actually know, when we're maturing in Christ and we can have more uh, just stabilization with our own theology even. Uh, We can speak the truth in love, which is a tangent that I won't go on right now, but it's just really important that we actually do those two things together, being renewed in mind, putting out a new self, and not grieving the Holy Spirit. And then also there's uh, no bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor. Uh, slander or malice and so really there's just no foothold for the enemy and no acid that's gonna eat away at you because that's really what happens when you have those things uh, and instead you're gonna be kind tender-hearted and forgiving uh, submissive and unified and just strong in the Lord and able to resist the enemy
0: John tax on this in 1st John 4 uh, I think it's verses 12 to 19 uh, he talks about a, a mature believer is gonna be empty of all fear and hate and instead they're gonna be filled to the brim with love yeah, and then you look at Matthew 6:16 6,
2: through21, 25, uh, 21 through 23, and then First Corinthians 3:14. and it, it all talks about this wonderful piece that I know Shannon, you always mm-hmm. you love to talk about. and it's you'll have treasures, reward, and authority, both here
0: and in heaven. So again, I, I really do believe that that the immature believer has eternal life and bliss in heaven. The mature believer also has eternal life and bliss in heaven along with greater reward and authority because of all the sacrifices they were making in this life. And all these passages are still a, uh, just a portion of everything the scripture would say. There's so many other benefits out there. Yeah. And so I want you guys to, just to think about this for a second. Think about this idea of if you won't have any hate or bitterness and you won't slander, you won't be talking bad about other people. You'll have this thick skin, patience and resiliency able to handle stuff better. You'll have more understanding insight. things won't confuse you as much. you won't you'll have less despair and less hopelessness and less fear. You'll have more strength and more joy, you know this ecstatic excitement. I mean there's just like when we went through the study, there was a ridiculous amount of oh, benefits yeah. that come from this. And yes, there is a ridiculous amount of effort. That one big needs to, to put together to do this, but it, that makes perfect sense to me, right? And so, and so, I want you guys, the listener, to, to as you're as you're listening to all this, and, and we are giving all these different benefits because I'm a big believer in obligation takes you so far, motivation can take you further, right? Um, and so, what motivates you? Like as we were reading off some of those, what was resonating with you? What was getting your attention? What was what was causing you to, to salivate? You know, and just embed those things in your mind and keep reminding yourself, this is a benefit that comes from maturity. This is a benefit that comes from maturity. This is a benefit that comes from maturity. Keep reminding yourself until it becomes that second nature, right? And just let that, motiva- that motivation drive you. There's a quote that says, "Change." I like, I like this quote a lot. Change won't take place until the pain of staying the same finally outweighs the pain of the change itself. So the inverse would read, change won't take place until the reward that comes from the change finally outweighs the pleasure of remaining the same. right. I think that's so, I think it's true. I really think it's yeah, true. Uh, and and to, to click with people. And so, so as we've said a bunch of times, this, this maturity, maturing process is not easy. It requires the intentionality. It requires effort and energy. It requires time. It requires trials and pain and discomfort and, and sacrifice. It requires paying a high price, giving up something that you already have for this greater good. So keep in mind, this is another reason why probably a lot of people don't mature is they've got some comfort or habit or possession or control or whatever that they really like that they're going to have to give up if they want to go this maturity process. But I really do believe there'll be other rewards out there that will outweigh the one that you're giving up. Um, and so all this means that you're only going to change and mature if the reward is great enough. And I hope that you see by this list that it is. Uh, it, it really is. So take some time to just to ponder on these things and see if you're really ready to learn the, the um like, what's the next step right in that maturity process?
1: Yeah, and something that's really interesting to me as just we go through just talking about how to mature and how to make sure that you keep progressing, I feel like it's easy to get to a spot where you feel like, I'm actually pretty comfortable with where I'm at. Like, I have been growing and maturing a lot. Um, I, I've i been making a lot of progress with different things, and I'm I'm happy with where I'm at. And then we think that if we, we'll just stay there. Mm-hmm. And so we say, okay well I've, I've gotten this far, I really like where I'm at. Um, you're so I'll too yeah there. I'll just I'll just man- maintain here but what we forget is it's more like driving a stick shift on a hill. If we aren't going forward, we're going to be going backward. And so if we're not continuing to mature and we're not uh, intentionally going through and deciding uh, just everything we've been talking about that you are going to keep going, you're not going to stay where you are, you're actually going to keep going backward. Yeah. So one inverse thing to this, then we'll wrap up this third section,
0: is what happens if I don't do this? And what I, I'll just say this real quick. What I want people to understand is if you don't sincerely acknowledge that Jesus is king, you don't get to go to his kingdom. If you acknowledge him sincerely as king, you get to go to his kingdom. But if you don't get out of the boat, onto the water, and mature, you still get to go to the kingdom. You're mm-hmm. still saved but you won't have the reward and authority there. You also won't have all these benefits that come now. You'll be more confused. You'll have more despair, more fear. Mm-hmm. So it's again, it's not just out of obligation. There absolutely, absolutely is an obligation element. God died for us. So he wants us to do this stuff, we should do it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't just say it with there's no benefit to it. Um, and so so if you don't do it, it, but you still believe in Jesus, you get in, it's just you're not going to have a to show for it. Yeah. And you really are, I think, going to have a tougher life in the long term.
1: And it's really interesting because I'm sure you guys have met people like that. You've met the people that say they're Christians, but they just kind of seem miserable. And it's because a lot of times I feel like it's uh, because they feel obligated to just try and avoid the bad things in the Bible. So they work really hard on doing that side of things, Mm -hmm. but they miss out on the fact that it's not about avoiding bad. It's actually about pursuing good. And once you actually begin to do that process, you actually can avoid the bad which if you're only focused on avoiding bad, you actually can't do. And so it's like this really interesting, almost cyclical process. But I feel like a lot of believers that don't take the time to realize, no, it's worth spiritually maturing because of all these benefits, all Mm -hmm. these different things. If you don't take that step, I feel like you're just going to sit there for a really long time and just be like, well, why am I doing any of this? Because I'm not seeing any change. I'm not actually not doing the bad things that I'm trying to stop doing. Um, I I don't really see what it is. And then on the flip side of that, when you are actually maturing, that's the type of people that you see and you're just like, wow. Like, they just emulate Christ. You can see it just almost radiate off of them like it's just so cool when you know someone that is spiritually maturing because just like that that's where i want to be that's what this is actually all about they they become the salt and light and cities on a hill yeah yeah
0: um so just because you're a christian doesn't really mean you're mm. salt and light and city on a hill you need to mature to, to kind of get there yeah you also you talk it reminds me of the phrase um your feet follow your eyes hmm. so whatever you're looking at that's the direction you walk in typically it's awkward to walk in one direction while looking another You can do it, but you're going to trip. And so, if you're constantly looking at what not to do, you're walking toward that. Yeah. Or if you're constantly looking what to do and how to be, then you're going to walk towards that. Um. So, so that is the the third section that that gets to the 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 benefits of it all, Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, this is beginning to persuade you. So that leads to the last section, the fourth one, the final one, which is all right. So, what's the application of all this? what am I supposed to do with, with all this stuff? And so we have some practical notes for you guys um, that if you decide, because you know, all, all three of us, uh, and Erica as well, and other people who've gone through these unpacking studies, this has all begun to click for us. And again, like you mentioned, Ian, not that, or, or, you know, Paul's quote, not that we've already arrived there, right. but we're striving there. And so all of us, we, we, this has begun to click for us. We want to begin to apply the details and begin to do this and, and transform us. Um, and, and, we, and, and we've actually experienced some of these benefits. Oh, that reminds me of everything, too, I wanted to say. Keep in mind that as you begin doing this, the rewards and those benefits won't necessarily instantly come. So I've seen Christians do this for, hey, I tried that for like a couple weeks and it didn't work, so I gave up. A lot of times you have to try it for weeks or months or even longer before you actually start to see those benefits. That's a back to the patients thing, yeah. and it's a trust issue. You know, we may not like that, but it, but it is what it is. So, anyways, so we wanted to just give you the listener, if you if this is starting to really click for you, you're already a believer and you realize I want to go further in my faith. I want to go to this this the second uh, half of this all, you know, uh, or you're not a believer, but you're like, you know what? I never really liked the whole Christian point, but I never heard it explained this way. Right. I actually kind of like this journey. I kind of want to do that. Let me. Follow Follow this Jesus as my king guy and begin doing this. Wherever you're at with this, we just wanted to give you a couple last thoughts to, to think about. So the first thing is you need to know all your options. Um, you need to know all the potential water walking training areas, we've called them, you know, so all these different passages. You need to know I think we've identified, what, uh, 150 or more different training areas oh, yeah. um, in, in maturity. So you need to know. You don't need to, to memorize all 150, but you need to know. what the it's almost like taking classes or picking, right? You need to know what the 150 or so are and then think, okay, so what, what's going to work for me? Yeah, and I even had written down here from a while ago. I need to focus
2: more, and people need to focus more on definitive spiritual goals than just a general growth. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, a- and be more active in in my transformation. Yeah. So that's that's a key component there. Yeah. And so, what's the second thing then? So uh, you also need to prayerfully decide which one or two of the training areas you want to start working on, three at the most. But the most. I, I, I can tell you. Stick with two, yeah. three gets a little bit hairy.
0: Well, you can stick with one first and yeah, add well, a second one, right?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, but if you're an overdoer, you know, you <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, for yeah. Two. go two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it could be identifying and honing one of your strengths that you currently have. So just, and, and I would actually suggest that find something that you are good at mm-hmm. and, and try to work on getting that better because it there's going to be a quicker reward. Right, yeah, oh, that's true, that's true. Um, Identify some of your weaknesses and the best scriptural counter to them, and pursue that counter. Um,
0: and we won't go to all the details. Yeah, of that
2: we don't need to really go there. But yeah. there's, we'll a, do that in the sin study. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it might be an area that God's already been nudging you on. Like with me, he he said, "Hey, look, you really need to be more compassionate mm-hmm. towards people." That was him telling me that. Yeah, it could be an area you, as a group, want to do together. It could be an area that uh, you've long wanted to study and master, like all of these unpackings that I go to every single one for that reason. And then uh, what do you think your next areas of focus should be? And and list those out. Give yourself some goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. once
1: you begin to really figure out which areas you think uh, the Lord's leading you to work on, uh, we find it really helpful to actually go and unpack the concepts as fully as you can, which is this This entire process that we've been talking about. And so do a study of the original language words, look for patterns, um, just read through all of the different passages on that topic, and really just begin to meditate on what you're learning and how it can be applied to the details of your life. And we already have a working list of all the ones that we're going to do. I think we've done about 30 unpackings
0: so far. And so we're going to do an episode for each of those unpackings. Mm-hmm. Then we've got some more that we're still doing. So we're slowly, this is going to take us decades, but we're slowly <laughs> working our way towards those 150 plus. Yeah. So so once you begin unpacking the concept, the next thing you need to do is act on it. This is, we, we kind of already referenced this. You need to apply what you're learning. I, I say start small with the easier opportunities. So for example, if you're if you're learning patience, find something that's going to be easy to be patient with and be patient with that then move towards the more difficult don't don't just run pell-mell into it you can move to the tougher challenges later make sure that you're leaning on god the entire time this is not of your own power and your own strength this is walking in step with him leaning on him always being rooted in scripture and prayer and the spirit and keeping in mind that this will probably take you somewhere i, I believe between three months and three years of intentional study and application to master that concept because it really is that baby step two steps forward one step back process so this there's not it's not a sprint Um uh, let's Let yourself take time on this. It's a uh, Brenton Lehman always talks about. It's that freighter ship. It's a slow turn. Oh yeah, in doing these things. And then, of course, you know, (laughs) this should go
2: without saying, but you got to wait on the Lord and allow Him to respond however He wishes. So you got to have patience, mercy, and grace when you stumble. That self-reflection, like I talked about Mm -hmm. before, you got to give yourself a little bit. This is not an easy path. No. And also, take pleasure and delight when you succeed. And uh, enjoy the blessings, rewards, or authority for your faithfulness, and then more
0: and even tougher opportunities to further the kingdom. So it's now to you, the listener. Um, Jeremiah I think, it's 6.16 says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask where the ancient paths are and walk in them, and you will find rest for your soul but you did not. <laughs> and such a, well, yeah. The first half yeah, of the verse is great, the second half is kind of <laughs> depressing. So, but for you, the listener, where are you at? You know, if, if you're not content with where you are, and you're always, maybe I am content, but I shouldn't be content. Um, ask where these ancient paths are. To, to accept Jesus as King. Begin applying, you know, all, all these things we've just been telling you and walk in that and see the rewards that are going to come from that. Now, I'll say, that this is kind of the la- last point I'll make. I believe that, that the reality of the situation is um, the far majority of the world never joins Jesus' boat. And of those that join Jesus' boat, the far majority of them never actually get out on the water. Hmm. Um, and, and, and then of those that get in the water, well, actually probably the, the higher majority of them actually do find their calling because that's kind of the whole, you know, the whole point of it all. Yeah. But some of the recent surveys I've seen or studies of uh, uh, the, and the Barna group and, and Pew Research and, and things like that, at least here in the United States. And, the, and these percentages are ballparks, just FYI. But around—I don't know if we referenced this in— We did. We did. Okay, so yeah. I'll just say this real quick. Um, about 90% of Christ, uh, of Americans believe there's some sort of supernatural reality, some sort of God or higher power or afterlife or whatever. Uh, right around 70 or a little below 70% um, classify themselves as Christians, but only around 37% actually believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, kind of that core point uh, to Christianity. Probably only around 22% of Americans, um, so maybe about— Half or so of uh, Christians are doing some sort of water. They they they've got their toe in the water, um, so they're they're going to to services. They're studying the Bible or reading devotions or whatever. But it's only around eight percent of Christians, so maybe three percent of Americans that are actually consistently doing everything that we've been talking about. Yeah. And again, th- those are those are the salt and light, you know, and cities on a hill. And so we hope that you, the listeners, become make that three percent, four percent, you know, and the and the four percent, five percent. And so the, the last thing I'll say on, on, on this, just to kind of wrap up my point, this is a visual that, that I've, I've talked to other people about and they had really liked. I, I really do believe, if you look in Revelation, talking about judgment, Day, chapter 20 or so, 21, it talks about the great white throne judgment. And it says how the, the, the Lamb's book of life will be opened. Um, and anybody who has accepted Jesus as Lord, their name is recorded in that book. Um, no matter how good or bad they were at it, mm-hmm. if they sincerely accepted him, then, then they're in. Um, then it says in the chapter, it says other books are open. Doesn't say what those books are, it just references other books are open. Um, we also know from other passages that, you know, whatever we do, good or evil, seen or unseen, it's recorded. So my understanding is those books, uh, other books are open, is we each have a book. And as we live life, all the evil that we've done, seen and unseen, all the good that we've done, seen and unseen, All gets recorded there's this accountability session now we also know that the scriptures say that I've blotted out your sins and erased them and I remembered them no more as far as the East is from the West I've removed them from you so what I believe is all the sin all the evil you do is recorded and then erased as a believer and so when you go sit at your accountability session all those pages are blanks but all the good that you've done all this maturing that you've done gets recorded and so what I believe is, is after the the Lamb's Book of Life is opened, we're sitting there at Judgment Day, you know, and, and all of our names are going to be read off. That at least here in this room, right now we know. Um, mm-hmm. And whew, okay, we're in, we're going home. Yeah. Um, and then you get to sit with Jesus in a, in a, in a, a nice room, but um, you get to sit with him and have the accountability session. He's going to be sitting there when you come in. He's going to hug you and kiss you and, and love on you, and he's going to have the book in front of you. He's going to he's going to have your name on it, and he's going to open. He said, "Now, now that we know you're in already, so that, that's 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 determined and decided already." Let's go ahead and I need you to give an account of your life. And so you're like, oh, crap. You know, I think of all the sins that we've done, right, um, hmm. in our prodigal son stages. Yep. And so as the book is opened, we're going to see all these blank pages where we, we, everyone in the room knows that's there, that those were sins and evil that we did, but they've been erased. Well, why don't I have to give an account for it? And Jesus is going to say, because I did. Hmm. right. And and I've said this before, and I, I get choked up when I talk about it, but I, I, I know when I look at those blank pages, especially in my 20s, with the drunkenness and the sleeping around and the abortion and the DUI and the drug use and all that, Jesus and I both know what was written there. And I think about that, because I think about, again, the, the cocaine, and, and, and the abortion is the big one for me. And I look at that stuff, and he died for it. He atoned for it. He compensated for it. It's already off my record. I don't have to give an account for it only because he did. And I get that now, sort of. I get the feeling that when I get there and I see the sheer volume of the blank pages, that this is where I'm really going to start bawling my eyes out Mm. because it's finally going to dawn on me exactly what he did for me. Oh, yeah. But then, thankfully, I don't have just blank pages. You know, I don't want to be one of those Christians that it's just a bunch of blank pages with a couple words scribbled here and there. They still get in if they sincerely believe yeah. Jesus is yeah. Lord. But it's just a bunch of blank pages. Who wants that awkwardness, right? You want to have those filled pages so that you can then give an account and say, this is why I did this and this is why I did that. You know, because you, because you told me to. I knew the benefit of me. I knew the benefit for others. And that's why I was doing that. And where I think the first section is our chance to cry because we're finally getting fully what Jesus did for us. The, the written pages are Jesus's chance to cry because he knows, he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And he knows how difficult this is. So I believe that every time you do a good deed and it gets recorded, he's gonna say, I know that was hard. I know you had to pay a sacrifice for that. I know that didn't come easy to you. I know that your flesh wanted to do something else, but you denied your flesh. I know, I know that you chose to walk in step with the spirit to get the power and the wisdom you needed to do that. I know it was your decision. It was a free will choice. And I want you to know how much I appreciate that. And I think he's gonna get choked up. Oh, so yeah. when I think about this visual, it moves me. You know, this whole maturity thing that I don't want to just eke by. I don't want to just kind of skate in with the wood, hay, and straw. You know, I really do want to go all out for my Lord. And it's going to be a, a lifelong process, two steps forward, one step back, with still tons of sin. Still sin every day, right? Yeah. Um, but, but I'm striving to move in this direction. So, And I know all you guys here in the room think that same way, right? That's why, that's why sure. we're here recording this this podcast. Yeah. So for the listener, I just want you... Um, thinking about that and getting that visual and realize that one day you're going to be sitting there before god and you're not and I, and again some people believe differently than this there's different theology on this but but what i believe is is you won't have to give an account for all your sin because it was already erased and atoned for but you're going to need to give account for the good that you did and you don't want to have just a little bit of good you guys yeah, follow me on yeah that?
2: you don't want it to look like a children's book you know right, you, right, right. you you kind of want to have a little bit of meat to that so i yeah i absolutely agree and uh just to touch on that I think we we all and uh, we said this on saturday too uh you asked me flat out you said hey ian do you sin every day mm-hmm. and I, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. and you know a couple people were like well, what, surprise what, or coffee?" yeah what do you mean by that you know you're a christian you, you you're coming to all these unpackings and just because i'm trying doesn't mean that i'm winning so every day mm. i have to i have to look at like what you just talked about and go well that's another blank page and then i often think, okay, well, if I make one blank page, I want to make one written page. Mm. So I've challenged myself to, if I, if I know that I did something wrong, that's going to be that blank page, now I should do something right. You know, just right. kind of, I'm making up for it myself. But well, and the written
0: page doesn't get rid of the blank page. No, the blank page will always be there. Yeah, it's, it's just it, now I'm adding it doesn't, another blank pages I can't page.
2: cover for my own sins. Jesus did that. Yep. But what I can do is challenge myself to continue to move forward. So hopefully when I am sitting in front of Jesus that day, that there's more filled pages than there are blank ones. Good. That's good.
0: So, would you guys, yeah, have any other things that you wanted to add? Any other insights um, that uh, that you would want the listener to hear, or questions you think they might have that we could throw out there?
2: Yeah, actually, I do have a. One or two things um one just to touch on basically where we're going with this is uh you once and i quote you all the time i call them my shannonisms <laughs> so you know if you ever hear me again i've, I've got a whole book of them <laughs> but uh this one is if you're not paying a cost the process is not working mm-hmm. so the entire time of this maturity if you're not paying out a little bit it's just like working out if if your muscles aren't sore at the end of the day then it's probably not working. Mm -hmm. The other one that I I had, which is a little bit funnier, but uh, be Batman for God
1: by filling your spiritual utility belt. (laughs) Yeah, and that's just really how we need to, as believers, be um, doing all of these different areas, and so then we can actually have our full. I love that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just I have two quick things before we sign off and um, give you guys a lot to process through. Uh, but one thing that just our discussion that we were just having reminded me of is that passage in Hebrews that talks about, we need to daily die to ourself. Uh, and mm-hmm. so then we can actually continue to, um, just r- really live our relationship with Christ, but spiritually mature, because if we don't die to what we want to do, and if I don't daily decide I'm not going to live to myself, I'm going to actually go and pursue what God wants me to be doing if I don't have that mindset at the beginning of every day, by the end of it, I realize that I didn't have it at all. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really interesting how we see that um, the the writer of Hebrews describes that and how we need to be doing that. And then also, I just really wanna encourage you guys because um, this might seem really overwhelming, especially if you are a new believer. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be really exciting and just, yeah, you wanna dive right in. And if that's where you're at, awesome. Uh, But I really would want to encourage you guys, uh, if you're not a believer, check out what Christianity is actually about. Um, Try and figure out what the Bible is actually teaching. It's not a list of things that we shouldn't do and it's not this rule book. It actually is all about just having this relationship with Christ and growing in our maturity and walking with him. And so then we can actually figure out what this life is all about and how all this works and we can continue to grow in that relationship. If you did decide, hey, I'm gonna get on the Jesus boat, I'm going to actually be a follower of Christ, awesome really would encourage you to try the water. Mm -hmm. See what it's like to actually step out, uh, be following the Holy Spirit, go through that process, and really begin to see what it looks like to spiritually mature and start that process. Uh, You can't jump in and you're not going to be doing eight things at once, but just start with something. Um, And hopefully, maybe some of the ideas that we talked about earlier can help you pick one. But Uh, just really begin to try and as you go through that process and then if you are trying to spiritually mature awesome like honestly that's just our passion is to rekindle your guys's passions in order to be doing that and so if you are doing that keep it up know that it's going to be a continuous process that you're going to have to keep on working towards you're not going to arrive and it's just something that you're going to keep doing but then even begin to start moving in towards uh just doing more of that wind walking and so really just, uh, all that to say, just take one step further, figure out where you're at, do an honest assessment, listen to 1.0 episode, one point zero one, and then figure out where you are and move forward. And so, I mean, that's really all that we have for you guys. And yeah. so if you have any questions or anything like that, we'd love to get a hold of you guys and talk to you. Uh, you can visit us online at rekindlingministries.org or email us at info at rekindlingministries.com. Uh, just this whole exciting journey of faith, hope. And now we're going to go and talk about love next uh, episode. So, Which is going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys then. Thanks.